So he goes to see Corporal Jackson and he reads him a book. It was uh, A Farewell to Arms from 1929. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's literally what Archie's doing is he's saying farewell to arms. <laughs> How many arms? And so is the trash bag killer. Oh my God. <laughs> Hello and welcome to our Riverdale podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 25-year-old actor and artist. I like rooting anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere, and our fun fact for this episode is, what were you doing seven years ago? So when you say, what were you doing seven years ago? In my brain, I think, oh, I must have been in, I gotta say, probably uh, 11th grade. But then when I did the math, seven years ago was early 2014 and I was already in my first year of college and I had already finished the first semester. So I guess what I was doing seven years ago was like maybe rehearsing for our like end of year show for my first year of of theater school. However, I am absolutely horrified to learn that that is seven years ago because if you had asked me, I probably would have said like four. You know? <laughs> and my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 31-year-old journalist from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And um, I don't really remember 2014. I think because I spent a number of years just doing the same thing, which is just going to work. Mm. Respect. Um, and I had already been out of high school for seven years, so. Yeah. <laughs> I love you. I'm very old, you see. Snagged a milf. Yeah. <laughs> Score. <laughs> My name is Samantha Coley. I'm a 28-year-old television critic. I'm, on, I'm a senior writer and the social media specialist at Telltale TV. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at Sam Casey's where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. Seven years ago, I was living in an, an apartment in charlotte north carolina going to college in charlotte north carolina living in my first apartment which only cost three hundred dollars a month wow yeah yeah like it wasn't the best apartment but it was my first apartment (laughs) and uh it was nice to live somewhere else it was fun and so you thought you know what i'm gonna keep doing that yeah yeah (laughs) today we have words to say about episode 504 of riverdale purgatorio yeah for a stupid name I know, but it's a specific reference to um, to Dante's Divine Comedy. I know, but it's it's kind of weird though that it's not referencing a specific movie, right? Because, yeah, because like, Purgatory like a... Purgatory was referencing a specific, right? Movie. Exactly. Yeah, um, yeah, it was called Purgatory for a while there, and then like I, it feels like it took like a a bit of a a turn, and and it became Purgatorio. Like I want to say like a week ago, and that's it. And then like on our PVR still, it said Purgatory. But and like then on, on Wiki- Netflix, it yeah. says Purgatorio. Yeah, on Netflix and on Wikipedia, it said Purgatorio. So I guess I'm gonna go with that. Sure. Purgatory in general, without like going into the um, the reference and stuff, Purgatory is like an intermediate state after death for expiatory purification or a place or state of temporary suffering or misery. I think like in oh being in the middle of a pandemic. Oh. Oh. Because <laughs> in, like, Greek mythology, it's, like, you can go, there's, like, a heaven place and a hell place, and purgatory is a state in which, like, you weren't good enough to get into heaven or bad enough to get into hell, so you have to, like, hang out in this purgatory until you can, like, figure out which one you belong in, you know? It's just, like, a, a space where you just kind of hang out for a while. It's a chill zone. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, so the reference that Purgatory was making was uh, a movie called Purgatory West of the Pecos. It was a 1999 American Western fantasy television film, and it sounds cool as heck. It says it focuses on a gang of outlaws who find their way to a hidden valley and a peaceful town where residents shun swearing alcohol, guns, and any kind of violence, but resemble dead Western heroes. The outcome is marked by its exploration of the interface between legend making and humanitarian values. What? Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of into it. Me um, too. Purgatorio is the second part of Dante's Divine Comedy, which fo- it follows Inferno, and it precedes Paradiso. And uh, yeah, basically it's an allegory telling of the climb of Dante up the Mount of Purgatory. So I feel like Rass was kind of just like, how do we make this a little more edgy than Purgatory? And that, and thus like Purgatorio. Oreo. <laughs> and yeah. a little bit of spice. Yeah. <laughs> So for Thoughts for Listeners, we got another DM from our friend Dave, and uh, he was saying that Brittany was talking about how the dudes were wearing um, uniforms from World War II, and um, he said if they graduated in June 1945, the war in Europe was over, and by the time they got out of training, the war in the Pacific was probably over, so those dudes never saw combat in World War II, um, but it's probably Riverdale's fault. Um, Dave, you're embarrassing me. Okay? Because, like, you and I both know, you and me, Dave, mm-hmm. we know how deeply dumb I am. Yeah. You know? So it didn't even cross my mind that the war would be over, even though I knew it ended in 1945. I was like, ha war 1945. That's as far as my brain went. Well, it's just, like, for some reason, in our minds, the 1940s is when the war was. Mm. And it just, it like... it just, like, makes no sense, because it you was, know? Like, it was, like... It was, like, significantly... At this point, I, I'm too afraid to admit that I don't know when the war was. <laughs> I know I'm straight ended. up not saying anything, because I don't know when the war I was. I know it ended in 1945. I want to say it started in 1941. I, that's what I want to say. I, I wish All our you, Alexa worked right now, so we could just ask her. All you need... Hey, Siri. Alexa, stop. Hey, Siri. Alexa. She can't... When stop. did World War Two start? Oop! 39. So, like, you were, you well, were, you, you were in it there. It started on the first and ended on the second. But it said that it stopped, but it said that it ended it, uh, in September of 1945. So, like, so, you if those dudes graduated in, like, June, then maybe they did. Uh, yeah. Maybe they got the end uh, of it. I don't know. Who's to say? Well, oh, wait, well, I mean, yeah, they still have to do training. So, but, uh, whatever, guys. It's who, Riverdale's fault. Who knows how long training took back then? Also, like, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Some deep all, all you need to know about me is that I passed my AP history test with like good for you. Colors. Good for you. I don't know anything about anything ever. I'm just kidding. I didn't take AP history. <laughs> what? Why did you just lie like that? Why I would you a- lie like that? I took AP English. I, I took, took American history in college and got an A. I took advanced English and advanced math. Those things don't go together, but those are the two subjects I was good at. Uh, me as a person, it makes sense. I took advanced art. Correct. Yeah. Taste. Yeah. I if also advanced, took advanced English, and then I dropped down to lower English because I was smarter than everyone else there, yeah. and so I got the highest grade in the mm. class. And I didn't go to half the classes, but I got a 90 on my final, and I was like, <laughs> I don't need to be here. If I could have taken advanced drama, I would have, but uh, that wasn't available. Honey, your life is advanced drama, honey. <laughs> She's right. Oh, honey. We haven't had a no honey in a while. <laughs> um, now we're going to toot or boot the episodes. So um, toot is good, boot is bad, and then there's a couple other things on either side of that, and one thing in the middle. Um, but I think, I don't know if we need those today. Um, Brittany, no. would you like to toot or boot the episode? This is a controversial opinion, but I'm actually going to newt it. I, oh, I didn't explain what a newt was. Yeah, a newt is, I'm neutral on it. Like, I, I didn't overly think it was that great an episode, but I think it wasn't it wasn't a bad episode at all i'm gonna i'm gonna low toot it 
Like, it didn't blow my mind, to be honest. I feel like we guessed most of it. The, honestly, the only part that was any sort of surprising for me was Veronica's stuff. Mm. That was fun. And hers was, like, it was really fun. But, like, I feel like I knew everything else, so I was just, like, watching them tell me what they had already, like, basically trick. told me. Yeah. So I'm waiting for next week, to be honest. Uh, I'm definitely going to toot the episode because even though I did know a lot of the things that were happening, um, I sat on this couch and was like, <gasps> ooh! <gasps> the whole time <laughs> she really was yeah <laughs> although that one that one moment yeah which we'll talk about yeah that was a that lot. one was fun so um we split up this episode into four pieces um the jughead piece the veronica piece the betty piece and then the archie and tony piece which we felt like there was just kind of impossible to split up um, and that includes the Cheryl piece as well. So we're going to start with Jughead because we thought that was the least interesting. <laughs> it's true. It was the least interesting. So I did the summary for the Jughead storyline. Thank you for your service. Not a problem. It was a little upsetting, but I, I, I got but I got through it. All right. So Jughead lives in New York and struggles with writing. His girlfriend Jess tries to talk to him, but he's obviously not a very good boyfriend. He calls his agent instead of talking to her and learns from him that he's not up from for a spot at the New Yorker like he had hoped. He goes back home and finds that he's getting evicted because he can't pay his rent and Jess is totally leaving him because he's a sucky boyfriend and debt collectors keep coming to their door. Jughead goes to a bar to drink away his sorrows. A girl named Cora comes up to him because she loves his book. He takes her home and the next morning she reveals that she only slept with him so that he'd read her manuscript and give it to his agent. Before he can say anything, the debt collectors come again. Jug promises to read it if she'll get rid of them. She opens the door and says that she's house-sitting for him and he's not here. They give her their card and she threatens to call them if he doesn't read it within a week. That night he gets started reading but then gets a call from Archie. Sure, That's Just a little schmall bit. It's a little dude. So he lives in Alphabet City, New York. Of course he does. <laughs> he doesn't... It's just a lot of choices got made here. Where is Alphabet City, New York? As if I know. I, uh, which I, I, I do not. You do the research sometimes. I thought you maybe did. I thought about looking it up, but I decided I didn't care that much. I will do you it know what I mean? Present. You know what else I want to bring up really quickly? And it's something that I have been meaning to bring up for absolute months. Actually, there's several things. Now that we're in the middle of something and this is not the time to do it. Uh, I'd like to, if you don't mind. Sure. Like months ago, like back in um, Killing Mr. Honey time, we got a um, DM from somebody and it was a thoughts from listeners. And I was like, I'm going to remember to bring this up at the beginning of season five because it was a really good point And I just keep forgetting. And so this is my moment. Apparently Alphabet City is just the East Village. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, it's probably in New York City. but Yeah, like that's what I was thinking. But like, I didn't know of like which yeah. part of it. So yeah, apparently it's just the East Village. Man, her, him and Veronica live like right next door to each other and they haven't spoken in seven years. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> I am so sorry. I can't find the DM anymore, but I do remember what it was that it said, if that helps. <laughs> so last season, they had talked a little bit about Paramecium Records. Do you guys remember that? Yes. yes. Yeah. And we were like, oh, what does that even mean? Like Paramecium is just like a, it's like a cell. It's like a germ. Wasn't it a reference thing. to something? Yeah. And it was a reference to something. And we didn't know that. And I don't think we ever said it on the podcast, but someone DM'd us and told us that it was a reference to Amoeba Records, which is like like a chain or like a fancy record store or something. Yeah. Yeah, and I just like straight up forgot to ever bring that up. And so <laughs> I just wanted to say thanks to whoever it was who sent that. If you're re listening to this, um, feel free to send me a DM again to be like, hey, that was me. And I'll be like, hey, it was them next, next episode. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, my next note is that Jughead's apartment is disgusting. It is so dirty. It's so it gross. Is so oh, dirty. Gosh, Very gross. And he has so many like past due letters saying that his uh, that his rent is is late and like 
I thought it was so weird that later he sees the eviction notice and he's confused. Like, he's like, what? Huh? Like, did you see that or whatever? Well, well, well. If it isn't the consequences of my own actions. <laughs> so I thought, did he not know? Was she, like, keeping it from him? Like, what? what is this? And then I saw all of these past due letters. So I think something must have happened there that just, like, got lost in translation for me. But, like, I don't know why, but I thought Jughead was, like, confused and didn't know that he had been behind on his rent for some reason. Jughead's like, I knew. I, I knew. Just I'm, I just <laughs> ignored it. Oh, my God. Me ignoring all my problems? <laughs> So he's still using the typewriter that Betty bought him, which is really nice. Um, he starts freaking out because he has writer's block. Jess, his girlfriend, calls him Jones exclusively. Mm-hmm. And I thought maybe it was just because he doesn't go by Jughead anymore. Because on his book, he goes by Forsyth. Like, on the book, his author's name was Forsyth Pendleton Jones the oh, yeah, III. Which, like, yeah. why would you choose that as your publishing name? I don't know. Like, why if you, you go by Jughead. Use a pen name. Yeah, use a pen name or just go by Jughead. Like, that's interesting in itself. You know? Like anyway. Your name is Jughead. So I thought... How much more edgy could you get? <laughs> so I thought maybe he just straight up just doesn't go by Jughead at all. But then later he tells Cora that his friends call him Jughead. So I guess he still does go by Jughead. Either way, Jess, who I guess, I don't know, isn't his friend? <laughs> or is it like a pet name? I don't know. But she she calls him Jones exclusively. I well, um, they, well, wondered if they went to school together and that's where she learned to call him Jones. Mm. Yeah, and they're both writers too. So like... I, I could see her calling him Jones just because to be different from other people, and maybe he didn't introduce himself to her mm-hmm. as Jughead. I just realized it's that probably just a continuity writing error that Riverdale didn't think about. I just realized that Brett has been dead for seven years. Are you, are you okay? I'm really. It's just sad. Also, Joan. How? Where's Donna? God, I hope that bitch is dead. <laughs> Did she die? I don't know. She, I mean, now honestly, that Charles is uh, gone. She might not have died. Is Charles still in prison? I want to see Donna again. I need to see what happened to her. Is Charles still in prison? Did he even go to prison? I don't know. We never said. <laughs> Jess deserves a better boyfriend, and I'm glad that she knows that. Yeah. Yep. His agent's name is Sam Pansky, with two M's at the end of Sam, which is cool as heck. Mm-hmm. He says that he has writer's block, and Jess says that she has writer blo- writer's block too, but she's not being like mean about it. I mean, that's fair. And Jughead goes, "Hey, can we talk about this when I get back from talking to Sam or whatever?" And this sounds familiar to me because last episode he was like, "Betty, can we talk about our relationship after I get back hmm. from Archie?" And then they just never did. And so I like that he's like, "Can we talk about this when I get back?" And then they don't really. Mm-hmm. So it's like, hmm, I see. Uh, he's not in the running for the staff writer at the New Yorker position anymore. And he, and Sam tells him to stop trying to be a reporter because he's a fiction writer and he should just write fiction. <laughs> Which is like weird because Jughead was always a fiction writer, you know? Yeah. So like, since when is he trying to be a journalist? That was Betty's thing. Yeah, but he also worked at the Blue and Gold, right? And, um, and yeah. And he tried to, and he got like the black and red or whatever it was at, at uh, <laughs> Stone. Ugh. At not Stonewall, um, at Southside High, he yeah. like got that going and stuff. So fair enough, dude. Fair enough. He's like, oh, I have writer's block, and Sam Pansky is like, no, you don't. Uh, you have a lousy work ethic and a toxic relationship. And I'm like, yeah, maybe for like Jess, it's it's toxic for Jess, and she needs to get out of it. I don't see her Jess being toxic to Jughead at all. Yeah, though. like it, in what is that relationship toxic? Just because like Jughead doesn't know how to be in a relationship? Like, yeah. what's the tea here? Like, I don't think that that's the toxic relationship he's in. I think the toxic relationship he's in is with his with his agent. <laughs> he's like talking about them. <laughs> He's like, like in he's, a toxic no, relationship. He's not talking about them, oh. but I'm talking about okay, them. Okay, okay. Like, Jess is not toxic. 
I've known her for two minutes, and yeah. I think she's greater than any of the people in this storyline. Yeah. He also says that Jughead drinks too much, and I'm like, ugh, that sucks, because it's like his father and grandfather before him that he's just, mm-hmm. like, following in their footsteps. And he's like, yeah, other famous authors were drinkers. And I'm like, okay, it doesn't mean that you need to be, That's though. That's not a good thing. Other people are murderers. And how did that work for Hemingway? How right. did it work for him? Right drunk, edit sober. <laughs> uh, he talks about how he doesn't have any more fame after his first book anymore. Like, a year ago, he had all that fame, and he could do whatever he wants, but now he's, like, petered out, and he's not interesting anymore, basically. Um, he has a publisher, but it's they're going to take the advance back because he doesn't deliver any pages. Which is brutal. Totally, and I'm also like, Jughead, like, you are writing something, though, right? So just deliver those pages that you're writing, even but if you don't like them. I'm kind of wondering if he's writing something that isn't, like, what they wanted. Yeah. Um, oh, do you guys think that Betty and Veronica and Archie read his book? Yes. I like to think so. I think that Betty did, and Archie may have, but I don't know if Veronica did. Actually, Veronica's a reader. I would guess that Veronica did and Betty didn't. Mm, Ouch. I like that. Yeah. So he goes home and there's an eviction notice. Um, I don't know why he looks so surprised. But um, Jess is totally packed and she's leaving. And it doesn't seem like she had that much stuff anyway. So um, it doesn't seem like they were like super moved in together. Yeah, that was not. um... She probably, well, like she said till she could find her own place. But she's probably just been crashing with him. Yeah. Since like moving out of college or whatever. Like whatever that relationship was, it wasn't too deep. Yeah. I like that like Jughead is completely now like unattached to go back into this whole thing with Betty, but now Betty has this, like, complication with <laughs> Glenn. Don't bring up Glenn in That's this right, house. That's right, his name's Glenn. We'll talk about him later. Um, so she says that she's gonna stay with Haley until she finds her own place, so she, um, dumps him, and I can't blame her yeah. for it, because he seems like he sucks. Yeah. Honestly, T, he seems like such a dick. <laughs> he really seems like a jerk now. Like, he was always kind of like, oh, I'm too cool for everything yeah. to have feelings, and I'm like, and now I'm just like, now you're just mean. Yep. Yeah, like he was always like, Archie, don't bro me because we're like brothers and you don't have to bro me because you don't bro your brothers or like whatever, you know? Right. And now he's just he like, like feel free to bro me, we're not friends. Exactly. And like, he's just, the way he's sitting at the, in Pops at the very end of the episode, I'm just like, if this is going to be your attitude the entire time, keep it. Turn around yeah. and go back to New York. <laughs> I'm not interested. Yeah. So she says that the deck that collectors were there today and good luck with your book because it's the only thing you care about. Then he goes to the bar. He meets Cora, who was reading his book over in the corner, just like a total, um, total coincidence. It's true. Mm, so totally just like so <laughs> everything's much random. So random. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Not, yeah. pla- not planned at <laughs> all. <laughs> wow. Like I said last episode, he has his picture, like, real big on the back, not even in the, like, inner flap, which I thought, I was like, okay, sure. And his published name is Forsyth Pendleton Jones Third. Dork. So he wrote a book, it was called The Outcasts, and it was inspired by The Outsiders. If they hadn't said it was inspired by The Outsiders, I already, I would, I would have clocked it. Yeah. I feel like I am the most qualified person to talk about this. Okay, what is it? The Outcasts. It's true, you are. Yes, you are. I didn't even mean to be the most qualified person. (laughs) It just kind of naturally happened. Um, The Outsiders was the first book that I had to read for school that I truly, like, loved. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I I have this audiobook 
app. It's like, it's a library app basically, but I only use it for audiobooks in which you get to listen to whatever audiobooks your library has for free. Um, you just, sometimes you have to wait because they only have a certain amount. And so only a certain amount of people can be using it at, at one time. Anyway, my, one of my holds for one of the books that I was waiting for was going to be like the next couple days. But until then I was like, oh, I need another book to read or maybe if there's like a small one. And so I found the audiobook for The Outsiders and it was only five hours long. And so I was like, I'm definitely gonna do that. And so without even knowing that they were going to talk about The Outsiders, um, I recently <laughs> reread slash listened to an audiobook of The Outsiders. And uh, I finished it today. And what are your thoughts? Well, I I knew that one of the characters died, but I forgot that the other one died. So that was kind of upsetting. Okay. But um, other than that, it uh, it was shorter than I remember, obviously. And I think I have to rewatch the movie to really get the like real feeling of it. But either way, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I was just really surprised to hear them talk about The Outsiders because I coincidentally had literally been reading it. Yeah. But I mean, like, did it hold up? The book? Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say no. It was okay. Okay. Like, I mean, I can tell that S.E. Hinton, and I'm gonna talk about that really quickly here, but, um, I can tell that S.E. Hinton wrote it when she was 16. All right. Okay. Oh. Um, I don't know that I realized that. I didn't either. Yeah, she wrote it when she was 16, and she is is uh, credited with introducing the genre of YA, like the genre of young adult, which is like the only genre I read. So like, it's a a huge deal. It's won a bajillion awards. She wrote it when she was 16, which is why I think it makes total sense that Jughead would be inspired by her because he was also trying to write things when he was like that young. Yeah, yeah, of course. Stuff like that. Um, And also, you know, he's lived a life that's similar to The Outsiders and stuff. So I would say that the, the book was was okay, but most of the vibes that I remember, like the vibes that I really loved about it came from the movie, I think. Oh. So I have to rewatch the movie, I think, because like each of the characters, you know, you see the characters, but like, you know, just like the serpents, each of the serpents, you find something to love about them and they each have their own type of character and everything. And I think those are really brought out by the, the actors in the film. Okay. Well, Um, that makes sense because when they bring those characters to life, it's just like a different experience. Yeah. Anyway, completely coincidentally, I am the most informed person to talk about The Outsiders. (laughs) Literally. It seems like the only real similarity in the books, though, is the fact that there's a gang. Not that I know a whole lot about the book yet, but like when she's explaining like some of the things that happened, like the romance story and everything, there isn't really a romance story in the book. So... Can we talk about the Viper King? Yes, uh, I wrote this down. Um, um, (laughs) The love story between the Viper leader and the homecoming queen. So first of all, he used Viper, not Serpent. He was like, yeah, what's the closest thing I can get? How about Uh, Viper? Viper. Um, Not even Snake. And it was like, okay, so of course we're immediately thinking, okay, it's FP and Alice because, (laughs) duh. We um, have Ace. But also, you know, the internet is like, he wrote Betty and Jughead. Yeah, like, like I knew that it was like, like I know, I knew that it was Jughead and Betty, and I was yeah. like, it was him writing his own romance. But, but in my heart, it's FP and Alice. Imagine yeah. Betty reading that book and being like, "Ooh, bro, <laughs> get over it, man." <laughs> um, or, or Betty reading it and being like, "Aw, he wrote this about our parents." Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Jughead's like, "I wrote about you." <laughs> Oops. Uh, which is why I love later when he's just like, oh, you thought it was romantic? Like, I really love that he, like, jumps to romantic rather than sexy, which is what 
Cora jumps to. Yep. Um, so, like, the fact that he jumps to romantic first totally makes sense with my fantasy. What happens next completely doesn't make sense with my fantasy. Do you want to just ignore it? No, I don't want to just ignore it, which is why I'm sad. Okay. I respect you. The, I gave you the option. <laughs> the cover of the book has a comb, which makes sense for, like, greasers, but they're not really greasers. They're just in a gang. <laughs> Um, a snake, a sword, a gun, a bat, bullets, brass knuckles, and a cigarette. Sure. Very The Outsiders. <laughs> it, it sure is. And it also has the tagline, gang story in a small town. <laughs> Could we not have thought something a little more creative than that? No. I don't know. So he says that his friends call him Jughead, and I'm like, okay, but not your girlfriend who calls you Jones, but okay. And um, Cora introduces herself as an NYU grad student for English. And um, Cole went to NYU. Oh, cute. Um, oh. So it makes sense that they would have used that um, school, also including the fact that he, like, lives in New York. Right. So it makes sense that they would use that school. I would be so grossed out by his apartment if he, like, took me back to his apartment. I'd be like, I'm leaving now. You're like, um, gotta go, bye. It makes sense that she has an ulterior motive because I would not be staying there. Yeah. <laughs> I completely yeah. agree with you. I would have left before he woke up. Yeah. <laughs> I would have been like, bye. 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 Jughead now has a chest tattoo. What is it of? Did you see? Did it's, you manage to look? Yeah, I think it's a hippogriff. No. No. <laughs> I'm, that was a really, really deep cut Harry Potter reference. It absolutely is not a hippogriff. Oh, oh my god. It absolutely is not a hippogriff. Oh gosh. Oh, you uh, had me going for a second there. I fell for it. I fell for it. <laughs> do you guys? I, I, I now I understand, but I fell for it. Do you guys remember that part in Goblet of Fire? Okay. Good. Yeah. <laughs> the oh, book. Gosh. Only the book. Oh. Yeah. That's why I freaked out. Pure chaos. I have no idea what it is. But he's, like, trying to clean up in the morning, which I guess is kind of nice. Um, And she comes out wearing his S shirt. And he's like, where did you find that? Because, like, it's just not who he is anymore, I guess. And so she's like, I don't know, in some random drawer. He has an article framed on his wall that called a bunch of people who were like the best young writers of the age or whatever. New York Magazine called them part of the new Brat Pack, which is already like bringing us also back to the Outsiders, mm -hmm. kind of, because a lot of the actors in the Brat, or in the Outsiders were part of the Brat Pack. Yes. Can you explain what the Brat Pack is? Mm. The Brat to, Pack was a group I'd of actors from the 80s who were all in basically the same movies. Just, like, over and over again. Yeah, mm -hmm. so it was, um... Oh, well, the Brat Pack basically was, um... The Breakfast Club. Yes. Yeah. Basically, it was the entire cast of the Breakfast Club. And they plus Rob Lowe. Yeah, plus... <laughs> they would move from movie to movie, just doing all of their movies together, yeah. and... I think when they refer to the Brat Pack, they mean more, like, the male yeah. side of them. Like, it's not very much, like, um... Well, when I, sorry, when I looked at the list. All the um, men and Molly Ringwald. Yeah, Molly That's Ringwald exactly was it. on the list. Yeah. yeah. And so he was like, but it's not even like the Brat Pack. The Brat Pack from the 80s were like actors, but this new Brat Pack is like writers. So not the new Brat Pack. Like who would just, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but she confesses that she's read it a million times and she's actually a fan of his. And when she said this last night when we were watching, I was like, ew, like this is such an invasion of privacy. And now you yeah. find out that he, that not only does she blackmail him later, but she also was like totally using him. Yep. Yeah. And it, it was, it gross, I would feel so creeped out. Yeah. It's disappointed, but not surprised. Yeah. It was really mm -hmm. creepy. Um, she said that she knew that he would be at that bar. And she's like, I do actually like your book, but can you read my manuscript and give it to your agent if you like it? 
Get out of here, like, stalker okay, girl. Weirdo. I would be like, absolutely not. Why would you uh, invade my privacy like that? So the debt collectors show up again and Jughead's like, hey, I'll read your book, but just get rid of them. So she goes and she says that she's apartment sitting and that he got a job writing for a TV show in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, so they go away. She's given their their card and so she's gonna call them unless he gets it read by the end of the week the book was called the rules of distraction by cora carter i looked up cora in the list of archie comics characters the only thing i could find was cora was only in single page comic strips in the 1960s and was one of reggie's girlfriends oh so okay um, and then Jughead gets a call from Archie. It's cute that she exists, though. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think we're all under the impression that he's forgotten. Yes? And this is going to come back later? Uh, that the debt collectors are going to show up or that she's going to show up? Oh, that he's forgotten to read the manuscript. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Bo- both and all, I think. Mm. Yeah. I tweeted this, but um, I just wanted to make an official statement mm. that uh, after this episode, I will officially be retiring the asexual Jughead question mark, question mark, question mark segment because before I could kind of, um, like there are asexual people who have sex mm-hmm. for a myriad of reasons. I'm not one of them, but there are people out there. And so it's valid to be asexual and have sex. The main way I could kind of explain away all of the sex he was having was that it was with Betty. It was somebody that he really cared about. And, you know, like it's like he could have been still ace. Yeah. And having sex with Betty for Betty. Yeah. Because it's something that she cares about, desires, and something that he is willing to do for her because she's someone he loves Mm -hmm. and cares about. Right. Like enjoying enjoying sex also has nothing to do with being asexual. The only thing that makes you asexual is that you don't experience sexual attraction. So you don't feel like compelled to do that, mm-hmm. but you can still enjoy it and still do it um, because you like crave intimacy with somebody and stuff like that. So, you know, I was kind of explaining it like that, um, that like it was with Betty or whatever. And, you know, I don't know his uh, history with Jess or anything like that, but the this like one night stand hookup thing. Yeah, that's just too far for me. Yeah, that was, um, that was kind of it. Like, if I were to try and explain it, I guess I would be like, he was upset at having just been dumped, and she's obvious. I mean, she's obviously a rebound anyway, mm-hmm. but, like, I'm still not sure how to um, not excuse it, because it's fine if you, if you want to do that. It. Yeah, how to explain that. So, um, I have a new segment that I will... Uh, reveal? Reveal at the end of the podcast. Um, I, yes, debut, that's the exact word I was looking for. But, yeah, uh, I think people were, when I tweeted it, people were like, wow, end of an era. And I was like, I guess it was. Yeah, it's disappointing that they were never brave enough to tell that story. Yep. Mm -hmm. Because it's not like they were being, they were taking a character that was straight and made them queer. You were taking a queer character and you made them straight. And that was what was disappointing about it. Exactly, because, like, they took Cheryl, who was a straight character, and made her a lesbian. Yeah. Which is great, and I want everyone to do that all the time. More lesbians, please. <laughs> Archie! My <laughs> God, Archie! <laughs> but Jughead was literally already ace. You had the blueprint, you have the opportunity, you have the option, and you just didn't do it because, ooh, teenagers boning. Mm-hmm. Shut up. And he was one of the main characters, and he was being played by Cole Sprouse, and so... 
Yeah, they just didn't think, I guess they just don't think that that's interesting. Uh, I think it is, <laughs> but um, I'm biased. I think that this would have been a really great time to tell that story because it's been seven years and he's had the time to like figure himself out, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And I don't know, I think that would have been really compelling and interesting, but we just, we're just not ready for that conversation, I guess. I completely agree with you. I think it would have been fascinating to explore. They aren't brave enough. It's yeah. True. I truly think it's a brave story to tell and like they're straight up just not ready to tell it and mm -hmm. and that sucks because yeah I, well that just sucks sucks thanks yeah the next little vignette that we're going to be doing is Veronica and um I also did the summary for, for Veronica mm -hmm. so Veronica lives in New York with her husband Chad <laughs> he doesn't seem to like that she works at Lacey's so much he wants to get started on having children now that they've been married for a year but Veronica isn't into it Turns out she doesn't even work at Lacey's. She works at a jewelry store and she's really good at her job. Chad calls her because he wanted to surprise her at Lacey's, but she wasn't there. That night they fight about it. Veronica goes to visit Hermione who's shooting her promo for Real Housewives and they talk about marriage and power dynamics. She goes home and Chad apologizes to her. They finally reveal what the accident that they keep talking about is, which is that they got into a helicopter crash. He gifts her a Glamour Shea egg and she immediately turns around and sells it. Uh, then she gets a call from Archie. That's it. That's, That's a that happy marriage. Yeah. So Veronica is also in New York in the mm -hmm. Upper East Side. Um, she's been married to Chad for one year. And he's like, hey, we need a baby. And she's like, haha, maybe this year. Haha. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> sure. It's just uh, not happening, bro. Cool. He's like, well, maybe you should cut back your hours at Lacey's. And maybe you should cut back your hours on the floor, <laughs> Chadwick. Because he doesn't want her to be stressed, which they say later is the reason why he, like, basically made her quit her job. Um, yeah. is because he didn't want her to be stressed, and it really just feels like you don't want your wife to be... Working. Working. Successful. Or, like, good at things, you, I guess. I, he does want to turn her into a housewife. Yeah. And so he's like, see, this is my ulterior motive to get us on the show. Talk <laughs> to Andy Cohen about it. Now, Veronica says that it's 2021. <sighs> And we thought, hey, that's confusing because they graduated in 2020. It's been seven years and now it's 2021. Uh-huh. That's one year. Um, it sure is, Robin. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we thought, okay, well, there must be some sort of explanation for this. Like when she says this, it must be like only a year into the time jump or something mm -hmm. like that. Turns out, no. no. Um, in fact, Roberto did a interview where someone was like, hey, what's up with that? And Roberto was like, yeah, I don't know. It's just um, Riverdale's like unstuck in time. And so, yeah, we were in 2020 and now seven years later, we're in 2021. And that's my canon. Uh, Basically, he had no excuse I, because he didn't realize he, he'd done it. Yeah, he didn't catch it. Like, he just how do you not? Did how not do you it. not? I have no idea how you don't catch that like how you don't realize what you're doing a time jump bro i don't no. like i have no idea how that happened like, um, why would you have a line like if you're unstuck in time anyway why are you putting in lines about time yeah you wrote this episode yeah you wrote it mm -hmm. well see that's how much care goes into this show mm -hmm. <laughs> you know you yeah. can really tell how much the writers care about it. Mm -hmm. Basically, no idea what happened there. Veronica talks about how she wishes that they still worked together and that she used to be called the She-Wolf of Wall Street. An icon. Do we need to gender wolves? Like, can we just... Like, you can still be the Wolf of Wall Street as a woman, you know? Yeah, I don't, you can be just... Yeah, yeah I'm just like... Do, like, I really like the concept that, like, we have, other than, like, awards shows, we don't even, like, actress is not really a word that happens, you know what I mean? Other than, like, awards show, because for some reason we have to gender awards. But, like, people just go by actor now, which I think is really great. Superior in every way. So I'm like, do we need a she-wolf of Wall Street? No. 
let's just like I want you to just straight up be the wolf. Be the wolf then. <laughs> and she'd be damn good at it. Huh? She, I like yeah. She would be fantastic and I completely agree. I think that maybe there was less intention with gendering it yeah. and more how they like twist things from our reality just yeah. a little bit to make it like <laughs> that's Riverdale. Yeah. And they didn't realize that they were being sexist. I will say She-Wolf sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but no one, like, I think it's one of those things where no one was like, oh, wait. Yeah. And they were just being stupid. Right. So the place where she works is Gilmore Gems and Jewels. Is this a reference to anything? I don't think so, right? I don't think so. Mm, Not that I know of. I just wanted to give a shout out to the fact that I was constantly talking about how Alice and Betty were literally just the Gilmore girls, (laughs) and now we see the word Gilmore coming up here. I'm just saying. I also haven't seen Uncut Gems, so Mm. if there's a reference there, let us know. Yeah, please let us know if there's a reference. Um, She seems to be just selling a lot of gems and jewels to some really rich clients, and she knows them really well. She's so good at it. It's so cool. She knows her clientele so well that she's able to, like, kind of, like, swindle them into buying whatever she she wants them to. She, like, up-talks them into making bigger purchases, and then it works out for them, so they come back and make even bigger purchases Mm -hmm. because she knows what she's talking about. And I assume she gets a really hefty commission. Probably. So, for example, Vinny messed up big time, so he needs to buy something big. T-dubs, T-dubs' portfolio is better because of her tip. Uh I don't know what his portfolio is for. It's his stock portfolio. Oh! Oh, his stock portfolio. That makes sense because if she was on the trading floor before, Uh she gave him tips for his stocks. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Thank you, honey. I still don't understand because I don't know anything about stocks. So, so did he, he bought something? And yeah, he bought or sold something based on her tips and it increased stocks the value of his or portfolio. jewels. Stocks. Stocks. She gave him tips for his stocks while he was shopping for jewels. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was like, you're modeling portfolio because you wore something really nice? <laughs> like, I was like, I don't get it. <laughs> Half of the, like, uh, jargon that Veronica uses in this episode, I'm like, I don't get it. But it's so good. Like, it's so fun to see Veronica getting to be like, super smart and capable mm-hmm. and, like, in her element. Because, like, just without Hiram. <laughs> without Hiram, without Archie, without freaking Chad. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> she's just, like, in the zone doing something she's really, really good at. And it's making her happy. Mm-hmm. Like, I want more of that for yeah. Veronica. So, unfortunately, T-Dubs is no longer with Kendra. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so she gets a call from Chad, and um, she's like, oh, yeah, me and Katie are here at Lacey's. Um, so she's working with Katie Keen, but we don't hear her voice or see her. Mm-hmm. But she's not at work, and he's really upset that she lied because he just, like, wants her to have some cushy job, right? Basically. I mean, sure. And she says that she wants something more edgy, and she doesn't feel like he knows her very well. Mm-hmm. They kind of, they tell Tell us how they sort of like met and fell in love, which is that they were both working on the floor. Can you also explain that? Uh, the uh, trading floor at uh, like on Wall Street, the stock exchange. You know when they raise it an actual and then floor? All those people yeah. on the floor. Yeah, it's an actual floor. It's where it's full of computers, people. Yeah, and, and they just talk. Yeah, they're shout. They basically they shout out bids like mm-hmm. an auction. Yes, it's much like an auction, but like. I think a lot of that is quite performative now because most of it's done by computers. But basically, it's the trading floor of the New York Stock Exchange. Basically, they're like bidding on stocks and making them go up and down. And yeah, yeah. I'm out here just picturing the scare floor from Not Monsters Sync. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's inaccurate because okay. it's a scary place to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
There's a lot of men shouting. I don't like it. <laughs> so then they start talking about uh, the accident. And thank God they told us what the accident was this episode. Or so I would true. be so frustrated. She says that he uses the accident as an excuse to control her. Mm-hmm. And I saw an article. I've, I've got to be honest. I didn't really read the, I didn't read the entire article. Um, but there was an article today on The Dip by Caitlin Riley, who said that she thinks that um, Chadwick set up the helicopter um, crash. Oh. And that he was the one behind the helicopter crash. Okay. Uh, so let's keep that in mind, I guess, if there's going to be some reveal that Chad was the one who made the helicopter crash or something. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Like just to, because she says that he uses it as an excuse to control her. Right. So that would make sense. Maybe. I don't know. You know, and then Hermione later talks about how, like, the accident proved that you don't have all the time that you think you have, so maybe you should have that baby that he's talking about, you know? So it seems like this accident is just being used to get Veronica to do stuff. Mm -hmm. Veronica Mm -hmm. and her body. She says that she wanted to go back to the floor, but he didn't want her to... And she didn't want to fight with him anymore, so she just agreed and did something else. Hermione is doing her promo for <laughs> The Real Housewives. Um, this is the cringiest thing I've ever seen, maybe. It's, um, it's awful. So bad. I already cringe when I see the promos, so seeing someone have to film the promos makes me even more uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. The, like, director lady says that she wishes that all the housewives were as real as Hermione, Um, and Hermione also tells Veronica that Andy Cohen wants her to come on for a few episodes, but she really does not want to. Which I respect, because I, I wouldn't want to, like, put my, my life out there on, like, that sort of show, you know? Like, uh, there, there are, there are certain shows that I would, uh, that I would. (laughs) For example, huge fan of Big Brother. I would, I would go on Big Brother. However, I've, I've gotten to the point where I have, uh, accepted the fact that, uh, my knees are bad now as a 25-year-old human, Mm -hmm. and I probably wouldn't pass the physical to be on Big Brother, so that ship has, that, dream ship has sailed for me. Oh, I'm so um, sorry. Uh, thank you. But I certainly wouldn't be putting my life out on uh, Real Housewives. You know? Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely not. I'm not looking to be like a pet of Chris Jenner. I would not like to be a meme. Yeah. Um, Hermione's like, well, you don't have to do anything. Chad is really rich, so you don't even have to work if you want to. And I'm like, do you know your daughter? <laughs> Veronica's like, I love to work. I do want to. And um, another reason why Chad, I think, tried to get her off the floor was that she was always better than him. And that's why he made her quit. Uh, Sounds like her father. Sounds like she married her father. I don't understand how she missed that. Like, they even kind of look alike. That... That was the thing that threw me off. Like, they showed that first close-up of him. I'm like, oh, it's Hiram. Yeah, I don't I don't really understand how, like, she missed what was going on here. Like, the parallels that were happening here. Yeah, it's kind of sad. She says that she does want to have kids, just, like, not right now. And Hermione talks about how Chad is kind of like Hiram. And I'm like, if you saw Hiram in Chad, saw Veronica falling in love with him, went to their wedding, I assume, also... Did Betty and Archie and Jughead go to Veronica's wedding? I guess not. Maybe they eloped. I don't know. I'm making that up. But either way, if Hermione saw Hiram inside of Chad, why didn't she warn Veronica? Considering she literally called Hiram abusive. Yeah, Hiram hurt you. It there's The closer you look at this time jump, the more it falls apart. Mm-hmm. Um, good thing we don't run a podcast about Riverdale. <laughs> <laughs> so she gets home and there's just like lots and lots of roses and um, the little note on it says, I love you and I'm so sorry. <laughs> Last night when we were watching, I read that and I immediately was like, why, why is it I in the cadence you. of, yeah, yeah, no, no, let's do it together. Shall we? Yeah. I love you and I'm so 
cadence, though, if that's not what you wanted. It literally is. Like, why did you do this? So he gets down, like, on one knee to, like, remind her of the good old days, I guess. And um, this is really great for, like, levels. It's really, it's good directing because showing the levels that he's below her now is, like, showing that he's, like, trying to give her the power. But I don't believe it at all. No. Um, like, it's very performative, I think, from from his, like, from his part. The present that he gave her is a bag from Lacey's. <laughs> so he's like, I mean, I was there. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was there for, like, no reason because you weren't <laughs> there. But I was there, so I might as well get you a present. They talk about how they didn't fight before the accident. And now they fight after the accident. And I'm like, yeah, because you hadn't made her quit the job she loved at the time. Yeah, you yep. try to, like, emotionally control her and dunk and stuff. I don't know. Their helicopter went down on the way to Marsha's Vineyard. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't they said Martha's Vineyard, like, in the show? I don't know. I remember them saying recently on Gilmore Girls. Maybe that's why. Yeah. Um. He talks about how he, like, when they got into the accident, he had been thinking that if any of them had to survive, he wanted it to be her. And I'm like... Sir, I don't know you, but I don't believe you. No, uh, no. Especially after, like, seeing that theory that he's the one that caused the accident or whatever. I'm like, I've got my eye on you, sir. I don't trust him at all. And Veronica's like, okay, that's great. Like, it's really nice of you. But, like, please take me seriously and, like, believe me when I tell you things. And let her, I don't know, have agency? I know, crazy concept. <laughs> so the the gift that he got her was a Glamourge egg. And that's exactly what Hiram used used to give Hermione when he messed up. So I think, like, now she's finally putting together, like, the parallels, even though, like, I think she's already seen a couple of them. Like, now it's like, okay, I'm being bought. I married my father. Yeah. There's a new one each year, so you can collect them. So Glamourge eggs are now not just Fabergé eggs, but with a different name. They're straight up not Fabergé eggs, because Fabergé <laughs> eggs are, like, historic relics aren't they yes yeah yes. they're they're literally like russian they they've never been made again yeah like there's a there's a very limited number of fabergé eggs that fabergé made mm -hmm. and like if there's any new ones they don't have nearly like the the historical significance or the value right the most valuable ones were those russian mm -hmm. original eggs right so basically now we're learning that lamergé isn't just fabergé with a new name Mm -hmm. It's, like, a completely different thing. It's, like, a collectible, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, which makes me feel like they're not as... Fancy. As fancy, as rare, as expensive. Yeah. <laughs> and so at the store, she sees Josh and Yvonne, and I, and she tries to sell them the Glamourge egg, and Yvonne totally wants it, so that works out for her. But I'm like, do you own the store? Did the store buy it from you? Are you just pocketing the money and using the store as a front to sell this? Like, I would assume she probably did it on the up and up. Yeah. Yeah, I would assume she had the store buy it from her. Yeah. And then sold it backwards. Is she not worried about Chad being like, hey, where's that thing I bought? That really, really, really expensive thing that I bought you or whatever? You know what I mean? I Well, that's what I was, I thought at first when I watched it last night. But I'm mm -hmm. now I'm like, Chad's the kind of guy who like buys you something and then... Forgets just, about it. Like just buys you things to make you shut up. Right. Yeah, that was my... Uh... That was what I was going to say is like, they're so rich, he's not going to notice. Mm -hmm. uh, and then she also gets a call from Archie. And it feels like when they get calls from Archie, they're like, whoa, I haven't talked to this guy, like straight up haven't talked to him in seven years. Uh, so it's not, it's nice that they, um, that they answer the phone call, you know, but it's like such a surprise to get. It's kind yeah. of unexpected that he would answer, to be honest. Yeah, it's like if your childhood friend called you, who you like don't talk to mm -hmm. ever, you know. I like that, uh, is... Veronica the only one we see actually pick up the phone, like, an, an answer? Because, like, we see Betty and Jughead get the call. 
Yeah. But I think Veronica's the only one we see, like, answer the phone. Right, because Betty and Jughead, like, we see their phones, and it says Archie or Archie Andrews, Mm -hmm. but Veronica's phone we don't see. She just, because it probably still says Archie Mm -hmm. Kins. (laughs) And she just answers it, and she says Archie. Mm -hmm. Probably because they didn't want it to, like, all be the same. Yeah. (laughs) You know? So they had to, like, sandwich Veronica in the middle there. Yeah, I just think it's interesting, like, that she picks up the phone. Right, immediately. She doesn't, like, just call him back later. Mm Mm-hmm. Like Betty might have, because she was in the middle of something. Yeah. <laughs> Jughead wasn't in the middle of anything. Jughead, <laughs> uh, your book's not important. <laughs> and Cora's book is probably not important. So not important. What do you guys think her book was about? It's called, um, what was it called? Rules, Rules of Distraction. What do you guys think it's about? Sleeping with a professor. I think, it, I think it would be so funny if it was just like fan fiction about Jughead. <laughs> oh my god. He's like, if you like it, give it to your agent. And he's like, oh my god, I love it. It's all about me. That would be so creepy. All right, Betty? Sure. We find Betty training in Quantico, Virginia, giving her best Clarice Starling. She's in... <gasps> Starling? Yeah. Which is why her doctor's yeah. name is Starling. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, she's in therapy follow- following being kidnapped by the trash bag killer. Jesus Christ! Her therapist tells her that she's still just a trainee, and Betty's like, yeah, but I caught serial killers in high school. Uh, I don't think it counts that much when it's your dad and your half-brother, but okay. Betty thinks that she's ready to get back out there, but her therapist doesn't think she's quite so ready, so it's back to cold cases for Betty. Uh, down in the basement, Betty shows her FBI boyfriend, Glenn, <laughs> a.k.a. Marcus Kane 2.0 oh for our God. 100 listeners, her psycho serial killer board where she's determined all her cold cases also secretly lead back to the trash bag killer. Glenn asks her out for dinner, but she blows him off and says she's meeting friends for Ty, uh, and the friends that she's talking about are just her trash bag files and her little kitty named Toffee. Toffee! She has trauma flashbacks to her time in captivity. In the middle of the night, Betty wakes up and hears Toffee meowing for her attention and her window is open and she can't find the cat. It's super creepy and then she finds him outside in the hallway of her building licking dismembered body parts poking out of trash bags. And then she turns around and there's the trash bag killer ready to chop her up with a chainsaw. Just kidding, it's a nightmare, but we had you going there for a minute. (laughs) The next day at therapy, Betty continues lying to her therapist and says that she's totally not having any nightmares at all. Her therapist says that they can't make progress until Betty opens up to her. Betty tells her that it didn't matter if she waited for a SWAT team or not, that Teresa was already dead when she got there. But her therapist reminds her that had she waited, she might not have gotten kidnapped and the trash bag killer might not have gotten away. And Betty's like, you got me there. Then Archie calls in the middle of her session and uh, interrupts her whole vibe here. We cut to Betty telling Glenn that she has to go back to Riverdale for a few days. She asks him to look after her cat and he says, okay, but he'll need a key. He asks if he can get a goodbye kiss before they go and Betty's like, hell yeah, brother. And they, uh, Not brother. <laughs> Finally, she's not <laughs> kissing her brother. And they blow the last several bughead kisses out of the water, and uh, then <laughs> she goes home. <laughs> That's it. True, it's pretty good. It was a pretty good kiss. Lily was like, I am so thrilled to not be kissing my ex-boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. So Betty's in Quantico. She's running through the forest training. Um, she actively is just lying to the doctor about her nightmares, and... I want to say that this opening training sequence is the exact same opening sequence of the movie Signs of the Lambs, which they reference multiple times in Betty's storyline. So, like, the opening scene is, like, the same as the opening scene of the movie Signs of the Lambs. Okay. I'm pretty sure. It's one of the first scenes, but I'm pretty sure it's the first scene. And... The, her flashes to, like, when she's in captivity, she's, like, in a pit, basically, mm-hmm. which is where the killer in Silence of the Lambs is, like, holding girls captive before he, like, skins them alive, which is fairly similar to 
dismembering, I guess. Yeah. Well, um, uh, yeah, they were like, oh, we're getting a little close here. <laughs> Let's move it around. Right. And then her therapist's name is Dr. Starling. So, yeah, there are several uh, references to uh, Silence of the Lambs, which delighted me. So, um, I have not seen the film due to my being a uh, coward um, <laughs> and also squeamish and uh, paranoid. So That'll do it. Yeah, could you... <laughs> Could you give a like a small synopsis of what happens in the film? Because I I understand that the killer the killer skins people. Yes, and there's also a, a lady, and that's about it. So basically, Clarice Starling is played by Jodie Foster, and this is where like Hannibal Lecter comes from. Okay, and um, so basically, what she she's a new FBI agent who's like on her first case, basically, uh, and she's trying to help them find Buffalo Bill who is kidnapping girls and skinning them alive, basically, and, like, taking different pieces of skin from different girls so he can, like, build a skin suit. This um, sounds like Lawrence Cheney's outfit from <laughs> UK last week. <laughs> Drag Race UK. Lawrence Cheney's is significantly better. So okay. So <laughs> I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna give it to Lawrence on that one. And so, like, basically she has conversations with Hannibal Lecter, who is, like, convicted and in prison to sort of, figure out how to catch Buffalo Bill. And basically she catches Buffalo Bill, but Hannibal Lecter gets out. And that's the... And also they okay. have a really weird relationship. Yeah, he's extremely creepy. Hannibal or Buffalo Bill? Both of them are very creepy, but the relationship Brittany is referring to is uh, Hannibal Lecter. Okay, so Buffalo Bill is the one that skins people and Hannibal's the cannibal. Correct. Yeah. Hannibal the cannibal. Was yeah. he, Is his name actually Hannibal or is that a nickname he got for being a cannibal? Um, absolutely fantastic question. Unclear? No what? Unclear? No clue. Oh. Okay. I'm pretty sure his name is Hannibal. You know what? Tempting fate. Yeah. Why would you do that? <laughs> yeah. Because his he's Dr. Hannibal Lecter. Okay. Oh, yeah. He was, like, a therapist and stuff. Yeah. He was a, he's a therapist and, like, he, he like, gets inside her mind and it's very, like, psychological thriller okay. as well as, like, physical thriller. But, like, right. he was clearly gay for Will Graham, so, like, whatever. <laughs> I didn't watch Hannibal. <laughs> Doctor, oh my god, it was so good. <laughs> Dr. Starling, I'm watching you. If we're talking about bad therapists, like, <laughs> we've already got Buffalo Bill, so now we're moving into this, I'm watching you. <laughs> so she wants to get back to work, and Dr. Starling's like, you are, and she's like, no, I'm not. I'm doing cold cases, so I'm just basically doing desk work. Um, she talks about how she has trauma, and that she's really still only a trainee after seven years, um, but I think, like, she did probably four years in college, college and then so, like, three-ish years maybe. She talks about how she caught serial killers in high school, Dr. Starling. And she's like, well, not like the trash bag killer. And she's like, you'd be surprised. Wouldn't she know her family background? Maybe not. Like, not only did you have a a serial killer father, but also a serial killer half-brother, apparently. And Glenn knows about it, but not the doctor? Well, I feel like Betty's the kind of person who's not gonna tell a doctor her problems, mm -hmm. but she will tell her boyfriend. But they knew, so, but, but Charles was an FBI agent, I guess. Like a real one? I think so, because yeah, Glenn talks like about- Yeah, it sounds like it, yeah. Because like, he does talk about, like, packing up the yeah. office and stuff. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like this is either something that the that the therapist is like waiting to discuss with Betty right. until Betty opens up further, mm -hmm. or like a plot hole. Right. <laughs> so it's the plot hole one. <laughs> so do FBI agents have partners, or is that like a cop thing? It depends. Well, Scully are partners. They are partners. Uh, I think it depends. Okay. Um, but they so like they definitely can have partners, okay. but I don't know if you 
always necessarily have to have a partner. Right, and maybe because she's a trainee, she probably doesn't have one. I was just wondering, I was like, is, like, Glenn is her partner in more ways than one? And I was like, or maybe he's just her boyfriend who's, like, listening to her. I would like them to be partners. I think that's cute. (laughs) But, like, also... Or, like, maybe she's training underneath him. Right. Like, he's the... (laughs) (laughs) I I wish that people could see our faces sometimes, (laughs) because that was a great moment. Uh, yeah, I just, like, if he was her partner, wouldn't he have been there when she made her, like, colossal mistake or whatever? Oh, yeah. And also, she's, like, stuck on desk work and cold cases. He'd be like, oh, man, now I'm also stuck on desk work and cold cases just because I wasn't there or something like that? I don't know. Either way, um, I don't know how much we're gonna be seeing of him anyway. Uh, but we know this man. No, we don't. um, No, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do. No, we don't. Okay. Please, um, please to just describe to our listeners what sure. occurred when we saw the first glimpse of this man's face. So for anybody who hasn't seen The 100 or listened to our The 100 podcast. God, you're lucky. Um, <laughs> in season six of The 100. <sighs> our lives were ruined. I, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to spoil this for you because it's probably fine. And if just you don't... haven't seen it already, you don't need to. Yeah, if you it's haven't. Awful. If you haven't seen season six of The 100. Don't go that far. Never in my life have I known anger like that. <laughs> I I can actively, I will actively uh, recommend The 100 as long as you stop once you finish season five. Yeah. Um, like, you could stop before that if yeah. you prefer to because there are some reasons that you can stop, like, before yeah. the end of season three or, like, right. whatever. The first but, two seasons are fantastic. A lot of like, good things about season three as well. Just, just definitely don't go don't. past season five. Yeah. I will um, actively recommend The the five, first five. Yeah, I agree. After that, just don't do that, you know? Uh, so I'm going to spoil it for you because I don't want you to watch it. <laughs> um, but basically, uh, Abby and Kane were the big adult ship of the hundred. They were the snake parents. They were know. the snake parents of the hundred. Um, Except sa- they, like, made it, you know? Yeah. Sam and Brittany's, like, They were, thing. like, our, they were the our OTP. Like, they were the reason, like, that we talked so much. Yeah. That we fell in love. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah. basically what happens is that Henry Ian Cusick from Lost Fame was on the hundred for six seasons, and in the sixth season he wanted to leave. For what? To be on MacGyver and say weird weird shit. Uh to be perfectly honest. <laughs> it reminds me of a certain other male member of a fav- of our favorite ship who just like <coughs> ski- people, people leaves ski. a great show to do what garden local man says, I don't know local man says I'm gonna give up on CW money <laughs> and kissing pretty ladies and go and it's farm. happened multiple times both they were both criminally oh, underused deeply yeah. underused I get it mm-hmm. but also I wouldn't give up. A sweet paycheck. Yeah. And kissing pretty ladies. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> as I continue on, basically, Ian said, I don't want to be here anymore. And so they had to write Ian off. In season six, there's a whole thing. And half of the season is about, like, body snatching and, like, switching bodies and putting some people in other bodies, basically. Um, And so, Kane's body is, like, dying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So they need to take Kane out of Kane's body and put him in somebody else's body to make it so that Kane can, can live. And be with Abby. And be with and Abby. Yeah. So they do so and they put him in the body of 
this guy. Glenn. Glenn. <laughs> Our friend Grayston Holt, who is now um, a, a renowned CW Vancouver actor. So uh, he shows <laughs> up and he makes out with Paige Turco a little bit. Mad respect, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Kane basically, like... Basically, he just immediately dies. Yeah, he just immediately dies, so what did we even do that for, basically? So, so, Grayston Holt, his, like, the character he was playing before, he, like, gives up his life to be Kane's body, Mm -hmm. and then Kane immediately, like, kills himself... So not only did Kane die, but also this guy died for in complete vain. It's, yeah. It was very, very stupid. Very disappointing. Um, it was an obvious way that they needed to write Henry and Cusick off. And they were like, well, this is how we'll do it. And I was like, shut up. Please don't watch season yeah. six and seven of The 100. Don't Please watch don't watch it. They Please. were both bad. Just take care of yourself and watch anything better. Yeah. Yeah, just don't do that. I'm sorry. But I'm sorry. Anyway, so we were obviously very, um, no disrespect to Grayson. He's, mm-hmm. a, he's a fantastic actor. I think he's doing, I think he did a great job. Deeply traumatized by that storyline. And so when he pops up as Betty's boyfriend <laughs> in the time jump, you, and you don't know that it's coming, you, you kind of scream. scream. I love how yeah. I was talking about, like, Oh, I didn't want to know that Chad Michael Murray was coming. I didn't want to know that Skidoma was coming back. And then they hand me this guy. I think that our apartment sounded something like, wait, is that? No, that's not. And then they and cut I, back. I, oh, no. And then we all just, we have to pause and we then start screaming. And we're all screaming and laughing hysterically. Robin did a lap. Brittany yeah. did a lap. I flopped. Robin did a lap, came in the room, pointed at all of us, and laughed at us individually. Because she's a piece of garbage. Which I didn't see because I had flopped over on the couch with my head hanging off, laughing hysterically with so hard that my head felt like it was going to explode. Hi, Grayston. <laughs> um, I'm absolutely thrilled that you're getting work. I think you're a very talented actor. Agree. But you're a trigger for all of us. <laughs> the last time we um, screamed like this is when we realized that Lorelai Gilmore was dating Charlie Swan yeah. for a brief stint on uh, Gilmore, Gilmore Girls. Yeah, we were like, that guy looks familiar. And we looked it up and we were like, we're all stupid. He didn't have the, mu- the mustache, so how are we supposed to know? <laughs> His face didn't look right. Anyway, this entire thing only matters if you're a small subsection of people who watched The 100, shipped Cabbie, and watched Riverdale. Hi, Kat. And yeah, listen to so our playlist. Hi, Kat. Hi, Alice. Yeah. <laughs> so they literally were like, what should we name Betty's boyfriend? And they said, how about Glenn? Oh, wait, Mariah probably. Hi, Mar- oh, Mariah! Mariah! Mariah's good at, yep. Hi, Mariah. Hi, Joanna. Yeah. Yep. We got a whole, we got a we whole. We actually have a lot of people here. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Survivor. You understand. Daddy. I tweeted that last night, and, yeah. and Joanna was like, thank you for this warning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we don't we don't want everyone to have to go through that. Um, but I, I think we're skating over the fact that they decided that Betty needed a new boyfriend, and her first boyfriend's name was Jughead, and her second boyfriend maybe I guess I don't know what else happened in those seven years, but her second boyfriend is I don't know Glenn. 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 I understand people having names like that in real life because it could be it could be a family name it could be like you know there are there are people whose names are Egbert I assume you know and you just can't help your name be an Egbert or whatever um but like when you're writing a tv show and you get to choose the names of the characters and you choose Glenn that's my uncle's name picking Glenn is like picking Keith yeah or Craig I also have an uncle named Keith 
So Betty's talking to Glenn <laughs> about, like, the multiple murders in Odessa, Texas, where no one was ever caught, and then a similar thing happened later in Fargo, North Dakota. So uh, Glenn's like, okay, so you think that oh, you've I got, wonder... like, a mar- migrating serial killer type thing? I wonder if those are references to other films. That'd be kind of cool. Because Fargo is where Fargo is set. No. What? So Look up Odessa yeah. and see if I wonder if Odessa is, like, where Texas Chain comes from. Right, okay, is. but oh. Sam, fun quiz. Where do they shoot Fargo? Toronto. No. Where? Calgary. Calgary. Oh. I went to the, I mean, I didn't go to the set of Fargo. I went adjacent to the set of Fargo for film school. I did go to the set of Winona Earp. Where did they film Fargo the movie, though? I don't know. I was on the set of Winona Earp. I still have not seen the show, but if you're a fan, I've been in that house. (laughs) I've walked up those stairs. I've been in that bar. Um, it's just like a giant room with a bunch of sets in the giant room. And also the floors of the houses were like two different rooms, you know? So like stairs go up to nowhere and then later you would move over to the other room and then you would walk up the stairs again. Oh. It was pretty cool. I, I took something because I wanted to have something from the set. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, so I found a broken clothespin on the ground and I took it. Okay. I think it is set. I think it is a reference to okay, great. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Great. I would love for them to name more then. Yeah. That would be fun. Um, so she says that she has a hunch on the trash bag killer, but basically she had a hunch on the trash bag killer thing and bad stuff happened because she followed that hunch. Mm-hmm. She says that unfortunately she can't make up for the mistake that she made if no one gives her a chance to do that. Um, and I'm glad also that they explained like what happened there later this yeah. episode too. Like they, they're giving us mysteries and they're answering them, which is so fun. Yeah. I, I, I understand Betty's frustration, but I'm also like, you won't get a chance to prove yourself until you do the work to yeah. like not be a psychopath about yeah. it. Yeah. Because like, this is going to, you have to take the baby steps back to being able to prove yourself before you can do it. Because mm-hmm. if you just jump right into it, you're going to make a mistake again. Right. So Glenn asks if they're going to hang out at his place and she says no, um, that she's meeting her friends for a tie and she's not. I wonder if she has any friends. Yeah. They don't name any friends, so I don't know. But it's interesting because I thought maybe, um, you know, she was sort of dating Glenn or maybe Glenn's like kind of like trying to woo her and she's mm-hmm. just not into it or something. But then later, it was a very eager kiss. <laughs> so I was mm-hmm. like, I'm confused about what the relationship is here. Because he goes, okay, I can take care of your cat, but I want a key. Okay, so we're not serious enough to have a key. I think we're like flirty co-workers who are also sort of dating, but it's not that serious yet. Yeah. Or it's like a really like, simple friends with benefits thing. Like, because it's clear I, that, because Betty, um, Betty like does it with Archie next episode. And she doesn't seem to have any qualms about I it. I think like for Betty, it's friends with benefits. And uh-huh. for Glenn, he wants it to be more than friends Aww. with benefits. But that he's just doing his best to get where he's, tr- where he's going. When Betty, Betty was stuck with Bughead and Barchi as names. And they were like, what do we do? Let's give her her boyfriend's name is mm, Glenn. So now it's like Ben. Blen? Ben. Glenny? Gletty? Like, God, just come on. You know that this is going to be, that the the people are going to make up ship names for stuff, even if it's just the smallest tiny ship. Glenn. I'm just like, I cannot get over the fact that they, they, they got to choose any name and they chose Glenn. Glooper. 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 (laughs) What's your last name, Glenn? (laughs) Tell me. Tell me right now. So instead of going to Ty with her friends, 
Um, she watches nature docs on TV with her cat, which she I did respect. at least order tie though. So it's true. Yeah, it wasn't all a lie. Um, she's <laughs> like, yeah, I'm with my friend. What are you talking about? <laughs> this is my friend Toffee. So she looks through the files, and we kind of get a look at what um happened to her. So she was like stuck in like some sort of hole, and the killer like came for her. Um, he's called the trash bag killer because he dismembers people and puts them in trash bags. As far as we can tell, only women so far, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't have enough information. Yeah. So she has a nightmare in which her cat is like crying. So she follows the cries and the cat is like looking at an arm in a trash bag and the trash bag killer attacks her with a chainsaw. Great scream. Cheryl like scream. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Um, But of course it's just a nightmare and she's definitely still having them and they seem to still be pretty debilitating. So she's straight up lying. Mm-hmm. to the doctor and I think the doctor can tell because she says you got to open up to me you need to uh, open up about your feelings or I'm not gonna let you work still I think that's a very good therapist like, yeah she's not letting Betty get away with what Betty wants to do mm-hmm. she was held captive by the trash bag killer in his lair <laughs> y'all <laughs> use the word lair for two weeks mm-hmm. she talks about how Teresa was already dead that's the girl whose file she was looking at and mm-hmm. I'm like okay whomst is Teresa she, uh, was she just a girl or was she another agent or something? Like, do you know mm. Teresa very well and that's why you dream about her? Or just because you saw her body and that was traumatic for you and that why you dream about Teresa? Well, I think that Teresa had probably been taken mm. before. And so she could, and like, she's, so she's on the case of trying to find Teresa alive. Right, she's on like a first name basis with Teresa because she talks about her so much. And she, she calls her Teresa because she studied her file so closely mm. and because it's such a huge regret for her. Yeah. Um, also, it's probably another, like, sort of reference to uh, Silence of the Lambs because, like, Clarice is trying to, like, find the daughter of this, like, politician who's been taken by Buffalo Bill before okay. he's able to kill her. Is and her name Teresa? I can if, check on that. Even if her name isn't Teresa, Clarice sounds like Teresa. Mm-hmm. So that feels like maybe that could work out anyway. But she says that it wouldn't have mattered if she went in alone instead of with a team because, like, either way, she was already dead. But because she went in alone is the reason why the guy escaped. And mm-hmm. potentially others are getting hurt because she didn't wait for backup. And if she had waited for backup, he would have been apprehended and nobody would get hurt. It's, like, so sad for Betty because, like, in in Sons of the Lambs, she does go in alone. Uh-huh. And, and manage to, manages to, like, save the girl. Uh-huh. And, like, oh, yeah. I assume that Betty has seen Silence of the Lambs and is like, I can do this if Clarice did it. For sure. And, also, she, and she gets the reference. She's like, Dr. Starling, huh? <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, her name's Catherine. Catherine, okay. Well, I still think Clarice sounds like Teresa. It does. So she was in there for two weeks, and I was wondering how long she was being tormented. Like, did was she tormented for those two weeks by the trash bag killer, who mm-hmm. for some reason didn't kill her? Or, like, he put her in the hole and then bounced, and she's stuck in the hole for two weeks while he's on the run? I'm sure he's Torture. probably there and torturing her for most of the two okay. weeks, and then, like, flees by the time, like she gets rescued. I feel like the end game of this season is not only figuring out who the trash bag killer is, but also like who's in the truck. And I'm, I'm hoping that I'm trying to decide if I hope that they're the same person or not. Yeah. I, when we got to the end of this episode, I was like, ah, so it's the same person. (laughs) Right. Well, here's, I'm wondering if like, like, they have been doing two mysteries. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I'm just like, okay, how can I make those make sense? Like, I'm like, I wonder if like the trash bag killer let Betty get away or like was he planning on killing or, Betty or and he's like obsessed with Betty now so he's following her to Riverdale or something or the truck driver brings the girls to, to the, the trash, trash bag, bag killer. killer 
and then the trash bag killer cuts them up. Like, gosh, if I'm Betty, I'm just like, I wish these serial killers would stop being obsessed with me. <laughs> like, mm, could you just kill me for once? I don't want to do this anymore. Why are you so obsessed with me? <laughs> so then she gets the call from Archie. And then, so in the next scene, she tells Glenn that she's going home. And he's like, okay, pack up Charles's office because he was a serial killer. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, Why is it still there? Why yeah, has no one been, packed it up? It's, it's been, been seven years. Well, actually, it's only been one year. It's only 2021. Yeah, so. go away. So she asks him to watch her cat, Toffee. And of course, that parallels her childhood cat, Caramel. I think that's so cute. Caramel and Toffee. They go together. It's I very love- cute. And it's like... I'm still not totally sure and, like, totally clear whether Betty actually beamed Caramel with a rock or not. Because <laughs> oh that whole dreamscape was, like, really unclear to me. Mm-hmm. But I really appreciate that she, like, trusts herself with a cat again, you know? Like, yeah. she was really traumatized by realizing that she was the one who killed Caramel, if she actually did or whatever. Right. But I, 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 it's just yeah. nice that she, like, trusts herself for having, like, with having a pet. I, if anything bad happens to that cat, I said this during the whole drink yeah. sequence, if anything bad happens to that cat, I'm going to lose my mind. I was like, sir, if you Mrs. Norris that cat, I'll kill you. Oh my God. That cat, it looks so much like our cat um, that oh my God. I would be devastated. We literally Maybe. were like, she has a Kobe. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> so he says that he needs a key, so we know that he doesn't have one. Um, And yeah, so they're not that serious, but they kiss goodbye. And it's a pretty good kiss. Yeah. Um, and that's the little Betty thing. Before we move on to, like, kind of the bulk of the episode, which is the Archie and Tony stuff, um, we're going to talk about Patreon. So Patreon is a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. Um, if we're one of your favorite creators, that's really cool. Um, and you can find us at patreon.com slash If you help us with $1 or more a month, you get early access to all of the podcasts. All the other podcasts are a whole week in advance, but since this one is weekly, you get it a day in advance. And a lot of people think that that makes it worth it. Um, $5 or more gets you 10% off at shopylux.com. Um, Brittany sells resin art and stickers over there, and I sell phantom embroidery. Um, I have several Riverdale designs, but I also totally take customs, and I also do quotes. Um, so if you want literally anything, I can basically make literally anything. Um, so yeah, check that out. That's another really cool way to support us while also getting something cool out of it. So true, queen. Um, uh, but if you can't do Patreon or Shopylux, feel free to just recommend us to a friend. Um, if Money's you have, tight. Yeah. yeah. If uh, if you have a friend who likes Riverdale, um, we also have four other podcasts, which we'll talk about in the outro. Um, and I'm sure that you have friends who like those shows because they're great shows. It's true. Yeah. They are. So yeah. Um, so now we're going to move on to the, the Archie and Tony storyline. The thing about Archie storylines is that they're always absurd. Yeah. But Tony's there, so there's a little bit of goodness, too. Okay. (laughs) In an absolutely incredible opening scene, Archie dreams that football and war are the same thing and goes to battle on the football field while his friends cheer him on from the sidelines. Neat! Anyway, he wakes up and he's in a military hospital and the mission he was dreaming about actually did kind of happen. He did save one of his men from certain deaths, but now Archie's being discharged to head up the RROTC at Riverdale High? Because that makes sense. It's an order, son. (laughs) Anyway, go, go teach those children. <laughs> and it's like, why of all the places, like, why was this crucial? You yeah. know? Like, Archie seemed like a good... Anyway. Anyway, Archie reads a bedtime story to the friend he rescued, Corporal Jackson, and then they have a long goodbye that is pretty gay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Archie returns to a pretty seedy Riverdale and meets Pop Tate's niece, niece Tabitha. I, I think I think she's supposed to be his granddaughter. In the thing said it was his niece. What, who, what thing? The Riverdale wiki. 
Oh, I always thought I thought he was she they was keep, his niece too, but they keep changing they keep it, flipping back and forth. I so think maybe she's his niece, but maybe she's not. I think niece makes way much more like way more sense because granddaughter implies that Pop Tate is like has married children and has and children. We've never seen them. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, continue. Okay, so he heads down to the speakeasy to find that it's now owned by Tony and the Serpents, and it's still called the White Worm. That's really creative. After a pregnant Tony, Sweet Pea, and Fangs finish a musical number because this is Riverdale, <laughs> Archie and Tony- All get- three of them are pregnant. <laughs> yeah, they're all pregnant. There's a comma in there that you can't see. <laughs> I hate y'all. Save the comma, you ass. <laughs> After a pregnant Tony, comma- <laughs> Sicky, y'all. Anyway, Archie and Tony catch up and talk about how friggin' weird Riverdale is these days, even though it was, like, always weird. Also, Tony's keeping the father of her child a secret for now, so don't ask, and it definitely doesn't have to do with the fact that the writers don't know who the father is. So, anyway, she tells Archie something so secret about Pop that he simply has to call the whole gang after seven years. But the secret is just that he's retiring. Yeah. So, yeah, there's that. Anyway... Later, Tony, Fang, Sweet Pea, and Kevin hang out and catch up. Tony is the guidance counselor at Riverdale High. Kevin is the drama teacher. I don't know what Fang does. I think he drives trucks. But the yeah. point is that he's still boyfriends with Kevin, and that's cute. Sweet Pea helped Tony revive the serpents, which she's now the queen of. They drive trucks to make cash now. As for Cheryl, Tony visited her a few times, but she keeps herself shut up in Thornhill and fending off offers from Hiram and his right-hand man, Reggie. Reggie, I believed better of you. You were my himbo, and now you're not. I'm so sorry, son. How could you? They're going to save him. I know it. I feel it in my bones. Somebody rescue my poor boy. Yep. I have thoughts on this very soon. (laughs) Tony even sat really awkwardly while Cheryl painted her in an attempt to rekindle what they had. For 12 hours, apparently. Yeah, for like a really long time. And I'm like, that's really unfair to do to a pregnant woman. But Cheryl is pretty dedicated to being alone because she's cursed. She did send Tony the portrait she painted of her, though. Oh, and by the way, she actually painted two and kept one for herself. Which impressed Nana Rose so much that she asked if Cheryl could copy a Rembrandt. Sure! Tony and Archie take a ride around town, and Tony explains that everything is in disrepair because resident douche canoe Hiram Lodge (laughs) defunded the town to boost the reputation of Sodale, which is still a sh** name for a town. Things are so bad that even Tony's truckers won't drive down certain highways. I'm sure that won't come back later. Oh, and by the way, Archie's childhood home is full of ghoulies now. When they get back to Pops, the rest of the Core Four have arrived back in town. Archie and Tony join them and say that they believe the five of them can fix up Riverdale. While they talk, Tabitha tries to convince Squeaky the waitress to stay in town, but she won't hear of it. She hitchhikes out and catches a ride in a truck with a skeleton tied to the front, so I'm sure she's fine. I don't she's know totally why. okay. It totally makes sense that the evil person in the truck is a person in the truck. I want you guys to know that, like, me calling it a sentient ghost truck was only half a joke because I generally was like, it's a truck? Okay, bro, but yeah. here's the thing. We haven't seen a person in the truck yet. Yeah. Yeah, ghost. It's a ghost driving the truck. The oh. truck isn't a ghost. The driver is. I it's bet not- you $10 the, the ghost truck guy is just Hal again. <laughs> like, you it, know or it. Or it's Hal's ghost. Or Penelope. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's what Penelope's been up to. She oh, took God. up trucking. Yeah. <laughs> so, I want to talk about Archie's dream. Archie's... I- Okay. I loved it. I loved it so much. I, I think putting war and football together totally makes sense for Archie's dream. I just wish that they hadn't put it in the trailer because it got mercilessly, mercilessly made fun of, which I, I totally... Mean, rightly, rightly so. Rightly so, because you put it in the trailer, you knew that everyone was going to make fun of that, right? Like, not knowing what it actually was. Mm-hmm. Like, but you even, knew everyone was going to make fun of that, right? But even then, Sorry. like, in terms of, like, Riverdale, it makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you parallel these two yeah. things that Archie is familiar with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In terms of storytelling, it's bonkers. That is the funniest thing I've ever seen. It was insane. 
the cheerleaders on the on the Robin Robin thinks this is genuine like like amazement. I loved it. Sam and I think it's like, stupid. I think I there's so much it. like I think I there's just, like symbolism here. Like I'm I'm all here. I'm all I here. completely respect you. I also think it's completely stupid. Yeah. yeah. Poor Riverdale is genius. Yeah. Oh yeah. yes. Yeah. Okay, yes. For a TV yeah. show, it's dumb as hell. For a exactly. TV show, it's really low-hanging fruit. Like for Riverdale, incredible. Like, exactly. Like, that's exactly exactly that's exactly my opinion. Anywhere else. This would be like okay, the we get it. Queen. Dumbest thing we've yeah. ever seen in our entire lives, and in Riverdale, it is also still the dumbest thing we've seen in our entire lives. But it makes sense it for makes Riverdale, sense. Yeah. and you can like Robin has hacked it. Like yeah. she was telling me about it this morning while I was like working out, and she was doing her notes, and like it it makes sense. Mm-hmm. She it's just she, also stupid. Figured it out. Yeah. yeah. So I love dream sequences. Like there's so much you can glean from dream sequences. And so mm-hmm. I was like, thank you. So he puts the war and football together. Obviously Reggie is here, but not Monroe. So it seems like maybe this isn't actually a dream because Archie obviously would have had Monroe in the dream because he's in love with Monroe. Their goal is to penetrate the enemy's defenses and retrieve their fallen brother and then come back. So he has a war on a football field. And um, yeah, like I said, I love this, but I wish it hadn't been in the trailer. Like there's nothing else from Archie that they could have put in the trailer because they're like, Archie's going to war. So they have to show Archie at war. Um, What war he fought? Who knows? Who knows? So on the field, we've got soldiers and football players. Reggie gets shot, but, uh, but Archie has to leave him behind. Um, Reggie was in football uniform in in the like locker room, but now he's in uh, like a soldier's uniform. Mm-hmm. Uh, makes sense because it's a dream. So weird weird things happen. Sometimes I'll like wake up from a dream and being like, "That was genius storytelling." I have to write this down immediately, and then looking at it later, you're like, "What?" You're like, "Oh, that made no sense." Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> <laughs> I can't even I can't even like rescue anything from this. It makes no sense. I dreamt a whole horror movie the other day, yeah. and then I was relating it back to Sam, and it just sounded stupid. Yeah, you're like, "Oh my god, I have to tell you about this dream," and then halfway through telling them about the dream you're like like, actually uh, never mind and also i like as i'm talking i've forgotten all the details yeah archie sees cheryl cheerleading and we have like cheryl and flames and we get that later too they always have like a fire burning at thornhill so like we always get shots with cheryl and flames we know that like at the end of season one Cheryl committed arson. Like, it makes sense that Cheryl and Flames kind of go together yeah, like that. it was that. just casual arson. Yeah, and um, now she has to rebuild Thornhill. She's like, I wish I hadn't done that. <laughs> but I also think, like, it could be... Like, I think all of this is symbolic. I think that Reggie getting shot is symbolic because now he's on the dark side. Mm-hmm. Cheryl's whole life is going up in flames. Um, and Jughead is the fallen brother that um, Archie has to, has to find. So... The three people that are, like, featured in the stream are Cheryl, Jughead, and Reggie. And I think those are the three people who are most in trouble and that Archie needs to actually help Mm -hmm. them. Um, Reggie, I mean, obviously, Reggie didn't get as much of a spotlight in the full episode as the other two did, Mm -hmm. obviously. But you do get a lot of background into him. Yeah, like, I mean, well, you get to see, like, where he is and you know that that's the wrong place for him. That's Mm -hmm. not where he belongs. So I think Reggie's in trouble, but Archie had to leave him behind. So I'm going to remember that and, and think about that, the fact that he got shot and Archie I wonder if Reggie on. like reached out to anybody before getting like mm-hmm. sucked into Hiram's right. like machination. I wish yeah. that Cher- I wish that the first time that Ar- Reggie and Hiram had shown up to Cheryl's Cheryl had been like pulled him aside and been like what are you doing? Like I know that Cheryl is like busy off in her own like mm-hmm. whole thing. Little universe. Yeah but like I wish that I somebody like would have done this them for him. didn't connect yeah. though as much as the others did. Yeah I mean they definitely were both in that group but right. yeah I agree. They were floaters. Like, Veronica and Betty are, like, off in the sidelines. You see six people off on the sidelines just, mm-hmm. like, cheering. They were both cheerleaders, too. So, like, it's interesting that Cheryl is the one who's, like, the person Cheryl is who's stuck. being featured. Yeah. 
She's stuck in high school. Yeah. Which um, makes perfect sense. Whereas the other two have, have moved on. And so he goes to get Jughead, and Jughead actually, like, physically asks for help. He asks Archie for help. So, like, even though Betty and Veronica's storylines, like, they're also struggling, Jughead's the one who actually needs help. There are people after him, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, like, he's, like, almost in trouble with the law to the point that he... Yeah that he isn't paying his stuff. Okay, this makes sense. So the friends calling from the sidelines are the people who are like doing okay. So Fang's Kevin Sweet Pea. Archie at this point doesn't even know that Fang's Kevin and Sweet Pea are doing okay, Mm -hmm. but they are. Betty and Veronica, um, and then also Pop. (laughs) He's there. Pop's like, I'm here. Yeah. And I'm wondering where Tony is. She's just not in the dream. I'm just like, did they just not want to make Vanessa stand out in the cold? Yeah. For this particular day. Yeah, and I think that's so fair. Um, Hiram, the, the, the dream ends with Hiram, like, holding a gun to him as he's trying to help Jughead, um, which I don't think we need to go into the symbolism of that. It's just Hiram's always frucking up all of his issues, all of his stuff. What Robin? Um, he <laughs> I, makes- I said to Robin earlier, I was like, Mark's entire role in this episode is just to look menacing a couple times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't so handsomely, though. So, Archie wakes up in the hospital, and he's called a sergeant, so good for him. And this guy is named Taylor. His last name's Taylor. Sure. I don't remember if we heard a title from him. Mm. I don't remember it if we did. And they're in a hospital in Yonkers, New York. So everybody's, all four of them are in New York except for Betty. Mm -hmm. And um, they talk about how he had seven years with the army. Many men are only alive because of Archie and that totally tracks with Archie, I think. He's a good boy. And Archie's like, well, not all of them. And I'm like, yeah, but I know this isn't going to help Archie because he's like kind of stubborn in this way, but like you saved some of them, Archie, and that's awesome. Right. Like it's important. Like you need to, you can't think about the ones that you couldn't save because of all the ones that you did save. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So the guy tells him that he has to go home to Riverdale to be the RROTC teacher. And he's like, well, I didn't join the army to be a desk jockey, which I think is a reference to Betty, who's basically doing the exact same thing. Mm. I didn't I didn't join the FBI to just be sitting at a desk doing paperwork. So he's basically ordering him to go be a teacher, which is weird. It's so weird. Like, why are you on the up and up of what's going on in Riverdale? Later, he calls it enlistment. So I guess that's part of it is that, uh, but, but I hate, it just, it, it gives me such a gross feeling to think of it as enlistment. Like I'm going into this high school, like, you know how John Including Mulaney is like, like impressionable teenagers. <laughs> you know how John Mulaney is like, I said I would pay $120,000 when I was like 17 and I was sitting there like poor Brendan Dassey. <laughs> like it feels like that's what... <laughs> Archie's it's, like, it, it's preying on young people before their brains are fully developed. Archie's like, join the army. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> I still have acne. I'm like, I Just don't. kidding. I'm 30 and I have acne. Yeah, same. <laughs> I don't know how Archie is going to like do his enlistment and stuff. But I like to think of it as like the guy who enlisted Archie, who was like, hey, I'm willing to talk to you about this. But just so you know, it's like a really, really, really big decision. Like, I really, yeah. I, like, I'm glad that. I, I like hope that. Archie would be that if, guy. Because it's like, if you know you want to go into the military, go for it. But if if, if you're getting preyed upon by someone because yeah. you're not sure what you want to do with your future, I'm uncomfortable. Right. Like, I hope Archie is like, because basically ROTC doesn't like lead right into the military. Right. Unless you sign up for it out when you're finished. Isn't it like an older Boy Scouts? <laughs> it's it's literally just a class where you learn military things. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. Like, it's it's literally just a class where you train like you're in the military. Okay. 
Well, that's good to know, I guess. Um, and then you have to like wear wear weird outfits, right? <laughs> if I Basically. remember correctly from the earlier seasons. And he says that Corporal Jackson is also here now, and so I'm like, wonderful, because um, and Archie's also like, wow. So he goes to see Corporal Jackson, and he reads him a book. It was uh, a farewell to arms from 1929. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's literally what Archie's doing is he's saying farewell to arms. <laughs> How many arms? And so is the trash bag killer. Oh my god. <laughs> and it's actually a Hemingway book, which takes us to Jughead, who mentioned Hemingway uh, in his little, like, piece. It's true, he did. The book is about the Italian campaign of World War One. It's a first-person account of Frederick, which is his dad's name. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, Frederick Henry, like Archie's dad's yes. name, I mean. Um, yeah, Frederick Henry, he has a love affair between Frederick Henry and an English nurse, Catherine Barkley. And from where he is in the book, like physically, it looks like he's like near the beginning of the book. He sees that Corporal Jackson fell asleep, but he keeps reading. And in the morning, he's leaving and is talking to Jackson. And it's a very, like, please tell me that, I, like, this scene is so extended. I, well, I know that we're all queer. And what? so we see what we want to see because we also really want Archie to be gay. Well, but also, but like, tell Ross me that there's queer. Yeah. And Ross wants Archie to be gay. Like, tell me that there isn't some sort of subtext here. Like, it's very clear to me. Like, I think because Ross is gay and we are gay, we all, we're all saying the same thing and having a conversation that we all understand but that goes over the straight people's heads. Right. <laughs> like, a straight person watching this They're like, is what? Like, they're in the army. They're obviously straight. A straight person watching this is like, aw, they're buddies. Yeah. They're pals. He's just doing they're a nice more, thing for his arms. Friends. This is... Which is probably how maybe it was intended. This yeah, is what I don't men know. who are friends do. Yeah. And I'm like, sure, fine, whatever. It's but gay. But here's the thing is that Archie is gay. It's gay. I'm sorry, KJ, that every single scene that you have with another man has homoerotic subtext. But it's kind of on but you. But it's true. Like, I... I'm sorry. Like, if y'all don't want me to think Archie is gay, stop making him so gay. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. (laughs) So he's like, oh, I'm going home to Riverdale because I'm running enlistment, like we just said. And basically, Corporal Jackson is like, oh, that sucks. Like, ugh, man, that's messed up. I'm like, bro. Like, Archie's like, bro, you lost your leg. My life does not suck. Like, I'm, <laughs> it's fine. And he's like, I would rather it be me who lost my leg than you. And Jackson's like, same. <laughs> Ditto, bro. <laughs> I think that's extremely funny. I also didn't want to lose my leg. It would have been nice if it was you. Thanks. Um, But he says that he'd be dead without Archie. And um, he, like I said, he lost his leg. And Betty's storyline also has, like, dismemberment. Like, Mm -hmm. losing body parts. Oh, yeah, it does. Losing limbs. He's like, oh, Riverdale, that sounds really nice. And Archie's like, I guess. (laughs) And she's like, yeah, no, it was once, but not anymore. If you say so. (laughs) He gives him his address and tells him to look him up. I hope he comes back. I'm sure he will. He better come back. But I'm also like, what is your address? Because you don't live there. The ghoulies live there. address, yeah. Like, is it Mary's address? Because he's not staying there. Or did he give him the El Royale's address? Like, where? what what address did you give? Also, I want to know if Riverdale hired an amputee for this role. I think they did, because okay. I, I think that I saw a casting notice. I feel like we saw, like, early, early last, not early last year, but, like, I want to say, like, summer. We, we got to see, like, some casting notices. We got the casting notice for Chad. I saw a casting notice for Jess. And I, th- I saw a casting notice for this guy. And they said, I think they said um, that, like, actual amputees were, like, encouraged 
to apply That's for it. Cool. I hope that so they, I think I they did. Whoever they hired is an interesting. I mean, that would check IMDb maybe, yeah. and maybe it'll say. Yeah. So I don't know where which address Archie gave, but I guess we'll find <laughs> out later when Corporal Jackson inevitably shows up. Of course. Mm-hmm. And then so he salutes him, but Archie shakes his hand instead. Sir, the queer subtext here is it's a lot. Very, astronomical. It's just a lot. So Archie shows up in Riverdale on like the same bus stop maybe, and there are only motorcycles in front of Pops. Um, Tabitha Tate, who we kind of talked about earlier, not sure exactly what her relation to Pop is at this time, but I'm sure we'll find out. She tells him to pick wherever he wants, and Archie kind of looks around, and I think he's kind of unsettled by the fact that he doesn't actually recognize anyone when he used to like recognize everyone at Pops. She's like, okay, well, if you want alcohol, like go downstairs. And uh, Archie's probably like, is Veronica here? Like, we that's where we used to sell, <laughs> you know, like, what happened there? Yeah, Why is this? No, it turns out that the white worm moved downstairs. Um, we see Fangs and Tony singing, and Fangs and Sweet Pea are playing the guitar, um, and then Tony and some girls are dancing. Absolutely thrilled to see Sweet Pea here. I was Your friends. genuinely surprised because he's just been gone for such a long time, and I'm like, now's when you show back up, yeah. Jordan? Now? Also, <laughs> let me just say that this band is um, so superior to the Archies. Um <laughs> I love it. I, I love like, do you how have a much name? fun they're having. What's your band name? The energy is ass, like just mwah, so okay. good. Tony sees Archie from the stage and like doesn't seem surprised at all. So originally I thought maybe like Weatherby had told her he was coming back to the school because we know that she works at the school and Archie's coming back to work at the school. Sure, sure. So maybe Weatherby was going to tell to like say that about it. But then later she's like, oh, I thought you would come back for like Pop's thing. So I'm still not really sure why she wasn't like surprised to see him. Like, was she like, oh, Pop's going to have his retirement party so I guess I'll start seeing my other friends or something right. like that. I don't okay. know. She's pregnant, obviously. Um, I like how uh, Archie's like, ah, can I ask who the dad is? And she's like, no, I'm not going to say. But then later Cheryl's like, I will not. I'm not going to be gauche and ask who the dad is, which is like, <laughs> <laughs> freak you, Archie, apparently. Yeah, Archie, have some freaking manners. <laughs> um, she says, no, it's a secret just for now. And uh, it's probably because they don't know yet. Like, um, it is. Like, I feel like it's a Riverdale thing where they're like, ah, oh, we're just gonna see where this, where this goes. Yeah. And I'm like, where's it going? I really liked what Macy said last episode that it could, it could be that she's being a surrogate for Fangs and Kevin, which I think is really sweet and would make sense that it would be a secret. It would make so much sense too, because like, they live with her. Yeah. And I was thinking like, oh, like, I don't, it, like, they're, yes, they've been boyfriends for seven years, but we don't know if they're, like, married or anything. Not that you have to be married to, like, have a baby or anything, but it would make, it would make sense for them to be, like, really solidified before mm-hmm. they made that decision. But yeah, seven years of a relationship plus you live with your surrogate, like, that makes sense to me. Yeah. However, where does Sweet Pea live? Does Sweet Pea live with you? Where's Sweet Pea? I don't know. <laughs> is Sweet Pea okay? I hope so. Sweet Pea lives in his trunk. They really did not give that much information about Sweet Pea. And she, I think, says that you came back in one piece, which is not really something that you say to somebody who was in an actual war, um, especially because he just left his friend who was not left in one piece. Exactly. We get a lot of connections to Betty and Jughead in Archie's storyline. Like I mentioned a couple of Bettys and a couple of Jugheads so far, but no Veronica, I didn't think. But then when I brought that up to Sam, she was like, maybe like a helicopter. Like they don't talk about a helicopter. Like Archie doesn't talk about a helicopter, right. but like that's the only thing that we could think of that could yeah. could kind of go together there. Like I'm sure in the military at some point he was in a helicopter. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the serpents bought the basement from Hiram and I was like, didn't Pop own it? Like Veronica gave it to Pop, but I guess she gave Pops to Pop, 
And, like, wasn't there a storyline that, like, Veronica was struggling so Hiram, like, owned half the speakeasy or something like that? Mm-hmm. Or something like that. Yeah. Because that's the only way I can make it make sense that they bought it from Hiram when Veronica's the one who owned it. I think that makes Unless Pop sold it at some point. It's just that this show doesn't really care. Yeah. Yeah. They're talking about how Riverdale is like weird and messed up now and a lot I has feel changed. Like, I feel like so she bought it from Hiram. That's what she said. Pop probably had to sell it to Hiram. Mm-hmm. And Tony probably like banded together after that happened mm-hmm. to buy it back. Sure. So. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say that. I don't know if Pop was like struggling. So all episode, they made us think that either Pop, that Pop was dead. They tried to tell us that Pop was dead. Or missing. Yes. Sam had this great theory that Pop was missing. And that was the reason why everyone was called back to like, because because Jughead was like, for, we were brought back for another mystery. And like, I'm like, we have yeah. to come back and we have to save Pop. Like that would be a good reason to come back to the and, and town that you don't want to visit. So heartwarming mm-hmm. for it to be like the thing that brought you guys back together was Pop. That's yeah. that's lovely because he said that they were brought back together for a mystery, right? Yeah. And really, what you were brought back together for was Pop's retirement party, which is not a mystery. Right. It's not a mystery, and it's not really even like after seven years, that's it. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that, so that was weird. There's apparently supposed to be a major, not, I don't I don't remember the exact wording, but there's like a major, potentially a major character death next week. What? And it might be Pop. No. I know, I don't want it either, but. If it if, was going to be anyone though, that would make sense. Yeah, it was somebody who we knew f- since season one, it said. If y'all kill Pop, I swear, I'm going to be so mad at you. Yeah. That sweet old man. I thought, oh, I mean, I thought he was dead this whole episode, basically, other than, like, unle- or missing, which either way, he was bad. Like, bad things were happening to him, and I was like, maybe that's part of why he was in Archie's dream, or whatever. But then, like, at the end of the episode, Archie shows back up, and Pop's like, oh, hey. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, Pop's just, like, there. Yeah, so Tony's like, oh, I thought you came back for Pop, and that's why she wasn't surprised, I guess. They clearly meant to freak us out about this. Mm-hmm. They were right? like, like, this had to be purposeful. It was, like, mean. They were like what? Oh my God, you didn't hear? Oh. Like, that's not how you would act if it was just the retirement party that you were talking Is about. Is it just yeah. supposed to be like a little misdirect or something? Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's supposed to keep us on edge for the whole episode. And yeah. then they, they throw in at the end, they're like, ah, just kidding. And I'm like, oh, I'm come like, on. Stop like, this it. This is just garbage storytelling, you idiots. So that's when we get everyone else's stories. So we get um, Betty and then Veronica and then Jughead. And then we come back to Archie. And uh, they talk about how they haven't seen each other in six years. And everyone's like, no, it's been seven years. And I'm like, bro, that Taylor guy just told you you had been in the army for seven years. (laughs) Numbers are hard, I guess. It is. Um, It's 2021. So like, it's been a year. Like, I know that they have- They all made it back for the one year anniversary. (laughs) What are you talking about, Jughead? I know that- for our sake, they're, like, go- coming out there and, like, telling us what everybody has done. But, like, y'all aren't even, like, friends on Facebook. Right? No. Do you like, not check you... each other's Instagram? Exactly. Like... like, I just think it's weird that, like, he doesn't know anything. <laughs> so, Tony says that after she graduated from Highsmith, she was supposed to work with Riverdale Social Services. And I was like, oh, my God, that would be so good for, like, Archie, too, because he really loved helping those kids. But the offices got shut down. So, I'm like, okay, what happened to the kids? Who knows? And also, I'm really upset for Ms. Weiss, who was the social worker who, like, helped Betty a whole bunch of times. Mm -hmm. Um, I hope she's okay. Tony works as a a guidance counselor at Riverdale High now, so she's the new Ms. Burble. Something must have happened to Ms. Burble, or she also, like, 
she wasn't old enough to retire, so, like, something must have happened to make her leave in the four years that Tony was at college, I guess. Oh, uh, they couldn't afford Gina Torres. Yeah, it's that. Well, I mean, we ha- we didn't have Gina Torres the entire time, and then we only had her for one episode, and we didn't have her after that. Well, so I really feel like you can still have Ms. Burble without, well, no. like, having Gina Torres. But that's, they, it's not that they... It's a spot that they can easily slot right. Tony into. Sure, because um, they, because they, because she won't be coming. And back. they don't need to bring Gina Torres back right. because it's Gina Torres, and yeah, it's and cool she, for one episode, and like you don't want to spend your money on that. Yeah, uh, and you she, just can't afford her. And she did her job that one do, episode. She really yeah, did. She was great. Kevin teaches drama, which is like, uh, why is Kevin doing my job? I don't work. I don't work. I don't teach drama like at schools, but I teach drama at like community centers. So it feels like we're kind of like kindred spirits in that way. <laughs> Um, but did they even have one before? I don't think so. It was just Kevin being the director of all the things. <laughs> when I was in high school, the drama teacher was the director of yeah. your shows. Like, you would never let one of the students be the director of, like, a big no. show like that. Um, Kevin and Fangs both went to college in Pittsburgh, but at different places, which they talked about last season. Um, they are still together. They live together here with Tony on Cloverfield Lane. And I love the fact that maybe they also have a big gay penthouse. I uh, love it. Yes. One of our, like, dreams moving to Vancouver was to have, like, this big gay penthouse where all of these queers lived. And we queers. made it happen. And here we are, living in this high-rise building in downtown Vancouver with a bunch of queers. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> and I, I want that for them. Sweet Pea says that he stayed in Riverdale. I'm like, what were you doing for four years, though? <laughs> and when Tony got back, um, they revived the serpents together. She finally became the serpent queen. The serpents drive trucks for money. And I think that, like, Tony seems to be, like, the like the person who, like... Coordinates it. Yeah, coordinates all of that. And Sweet Pea and Fangs also drive the trucks. And I'm like, okay, Fangs, what did you go to school for? Truck driving. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe business, because that's could, how they yeah, run the I whole, majored, like, truck driving No, enterprise? I think he majored in truck driving. He could, Even though, okay. <laughs> he could have gone to trade school. Right, it's true. So, like, he could have done, like, welding. Yeah. So now let's talk about Cheryl. So Archie's like, hey, what about Cheryl? And all the boys are like, we mm. don't freaking talk about Cheryl. <laughs> um, but Tony's like, no, it's fine. We can talk about Cheryl. She went and ta- checked on her after she went to Highsmith. Um, Cheryl has learned to paint. Um, and she's like, I can't talk to you. I'm busy renovating Thornhill. So can you come back another day? Can't talk right now. I'm doing hot girls. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, okay, like, I'll come back another day, but, like, are you okay? And Cheryl's like, yeah, do I seem not okay? And Cheryl, and Tony's like, kind of. A little bit. I have to say, like, this flower painting that she's doing in the background seems a little Georgia O'Keeffe-esque. Yep, big Georgia O'Keeffe energy. Which makes sense for her. Yeah. And weirdly enough, after Tony leaves, like, you, they switch, um, like, they change the, uh, perspective or the focus the focus and nana rose is in the room <laughs> i had no idea nana rose was in the room but it looks like she's like still in funeral garb <laughs> i feel like that the implication that nana rose is in the room for that scene oh sure um probably has something to do with like cheryl feeling like she's trapped mm-hmm. because like nana rose seems to kind of be like training her to do paint crime i always knew that nana rose like, the, all of the... She's grooming her the way she groomed mm-hmm. Penelope. And I'm like, get out, girl. Get out. Just push her down some stairs. Again. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Every time that we, like, Nana Rose, we're like, oh my god, we love Nana Rose. I'm like, but I can't 
for, we can't forget all the things that Nana Rose has done. It's so true. Um, and they're not letting us forget, which I appreciate. No, I appreciate the thing that you said about how, like, she feels like, oh, I can't talk to Tony because Nana Rose is in the room. Mm-hmm. I think in the next scene where we see her with Hiram, Nana Rose isn't in the room, which is why Cheryl can invite Tony in. Yeah. It's just weird that she doesn't, like, she does kind of open up to her more while she's painting her because Nana Rose isn't in the room, I think. Yeah. I just wish she would do more and, like, reach out for help some more. Mm-hmm. Penelope, I, I assume, is in prison still. And I thought Cheryl's earrings were be- really beautiful in this scene. They look like stars. Yeah, they were, really, so they really were pretty. pretty. Her whole, like, look is stunning. Uh-huh. However, you can definitely tell, and I know we talked a little bit more about her makeup in the past few episodes, but it's so much more muted now. It's like her, like, Cherylisms are gone, and it's really sad to see. Though I do like that it's more muted because it, the when the show started, makeup trends were very different. Mm-hmm. And Cheryl, if anyone is going to keep up with makeup trends, yeah. so like the fact that it's softer is like, mm-hmm. not to use the word trend again, but on trend. Yeah. That's smart. Yeah. I um, But I also think that it's it's works out really well because it's like a symbol that we can use. You know, like when uh, the early seasons, whenever Betty, like how high Betty's ponytail was yeah. made us mm, yeah. realize like what her mood was like. And so I like the idea of like the... The more muted Cheryl's makeup is, is like a signifier of her feelings. Yep. So Tony says she went back recently and Hiram was there with Reggie because Reggie is Hiram's like lackey now. <sighs> Please save Reggie. I think, I think that's part of why he was so prevalent in Archie's dream is because he's part of, he needs rescuing. He needs rescuing. Yeah. Help my poor stupid son. He doesn't know <sighs> any better. You're like taking away his himbo status because part of being a himbo is being really nice and respectful and being Hiram's lackey does not make you respectful. Give him back. Give him back. He's our son. Please. Just little. And so she's like, oh my God, Reggie's working with Hiram. And Archie's like, what? And I'm like, Archie, you hypocrite. Don't act like you didn't do the same freaking thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know exactly how manipulative that guy can be. You need to help him. Mm-hmm. Get him out of there like you got yourself out. So Hiram comes and wants to buy Cheryl's maple groves. And Cheryl's like, um, me and Nana want to be buried there. And Hiram's like, okay, would you like to be buried now or later? <laughs> I can make it happen. <laughs> so she just makes him leave. And Mark's like, all right, there's a clock out for the, for the episode. All righty. Like, see you guys. Cheryl is happy to see Tony and wants to paint her. And she's like, Cheryl, no one's heard from you in like years. And Cheryl's like, nobody's heard from me for months, but she's not doing better than she ever was. Mm -hmm. No, she looks, her eyes are, and this is like Madeline is just such a good actress. Mm -hmm. Her eyes are dead. Totally. So sad. Cheryl says that there's no reason for her to leave Thornhill, so that's why she doesn't. But Cheryl has definitely been keeping tabs on her. Tony's like, do you want to hear about my life? And she's like, I don't need to because I already know it. You graduated with a 3.9 GPA. Um, Her major was social work and her minor was photography. I'm so happy to know that she like continued on with the photography because mm-hmm. she really was um passionate about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also did a lot of charity and social work. Love to hear this about Tony. Mm-hmm. Um, also the baby and she's like oh yeah remember my baby and Cheryl's like oh yeah I heard about that one huh yeah and it the makes pain though yeah. the pain in her face it makes sense to me so that she sad. would be upset about that but I'm also like Cheryl I know that you're trapped but like if you still want to be with her you need like you don't show it you need to tell her like I feel like I feel like she just genuinely can't yeah and she genuinely wants Tony to be happy like mm-hmm. she yeah she wants Tony to be happy more than she wants herself to be happy. Yeah. And I don't think that she realizes that, like, I, I don't think she realizes that she can let herself be with Tony. Yeah. And that's, like, for Cheryl, that's also crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that, like, Cheryl recognized in herself, like, 
I am too toxic to be with this person so I can let them go. Yeah. That's huge for her. So Tony says that she's out with her family and they appreciate Cheryl's work to like fix her family's sins and everything. So she's like, if you wanted to be together again, it would be okay. And Cheryl's like, thanks, but I'm cursed. So I can't. Fair enough. Like she sees that Tony is happy now and she doesn't want to ruin it. And that's just so sad. Because, like, Tony wants to be with her. You said, yeah, Tony's, like, putting herself out there, truly. Um, and it gets shot down, which sucks because you know that Cheryl does want to be with and, her. And, like, ugh, part of the, I feel like part of the baby thing is, like, Cheryl realizing, like, she wants to have a family with Tony. Yeah. And, like, ah! Yeah. It's so sad. She calls her TT again, which is nice. And she talks about the, like, Sarah Winchester and the Winchester house. Um, Tony says that she's seen the movie and it makes sense that Tony would watch a Helen Mirren movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as bisexuals yourselves, I assume. We do I be watched doing that it. movie, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it so wasn't good, by the way. <laughs> she talks about Sarah Winchester and the Winchester house. Um, I already knew stuff about the Winchester house because I'm, like, obsessed with true crime. I recommend the Unsolved, the BuzzFeed Unsolved episode Mm -hmm. on the Winchester house. She says that Sarah Winchester thought she was cursed and her curse would, like, kind of begin once the house was completed. Mm -hmm. And so she just had renovations just, like, constantly happening forever. Um, it's, like, a super haunted house and it has doors that just go nowhere because it's just, she's just constantly adding on to it. Mm -hmm. So she's kind of doing the same thing with Thornhill. And I... I think that this would have been a really cool thing for us to have seen throughout the season and then like put it together ourselves. But I like, I'm not sure if I would have put it together myself. So it's like, I'm trying to decide if I'm like, okay, it was really heavy handed for you to tell me that it was a reference to Sarah Winchester. Um, or like, and like, so I'm in between being like, okay, I didn't need to know. And like, okay, thank you for telling me. Cause I probably wouldn't have put this together myself. Right, yeah. But I also actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I like that they said that because Cheryl is like, I don't think that my curse ends when I'm when I'm finished the house, but if that works, then maybe I'll give it a try. Like maybe it'll get yeah. worse once I, you know. Yeah. So she straight up tells her that she's glad that she's well and she deserves to be happy and then she just doesn't say anything else. She painted her for 12 hours and then a week later she gets the portrait. And so they've put Tony's portrait up in the white worm um, to replace the one of Veronica that was there for a while. Archie's like, what? She didn't keep the portrait as a reminder of your love? <laughs> <laughs> and Tony's like, no, I guess she didn't want it. And it turns out that Cheryl did she make did. a... Yeah, she did keep it. It's just now that there's now there's two of them. Um, and then Nana asks if she can recreate famous paintings too. So I assume that they can like sell them on the black market. So once again, Cheryl's like still trapped by her family. Queen, get yourself emancipated again. Yeah. Just <laughs> also, you're an adult now. Leave. Leave. I know. Like I, I know. I know. It's more complicated than that. When you're in, abu- in an in an abusive relationship, it's more complicated mm-hmm. than just leave. But like, God, God Cheryl, reach out. Reach out for help, please. I'm excited to watch Tony and Cheryl fall in love again. Yeah. Yep. It's going to be good. Yeah. This is the um this is the drama that I was waiting for with Shoni, you know? Like what they give us they give the straight couple so much drama and I'm like, "Listen, I'm happy that the lesbian couple or like the like the the gay couple is like together and everything." Like even with Fangs and and Kevin, like they just they're just like, "Okay, well, are you gays? Are you happy cuz your gay couples are okay?" And I'm like, "No, treat them the same. I want the drama. I want yeah. the drama. I want the But the I want that but I want a happy ending. ending. Yeah. Give me the happy ending. Just like Give me all the tropes and the drama and the falling in love and like the, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Give me the angst. 
So Tony's gonna show Archie how the town has changed. They talk about how his house is rented out, rented out, but I thought it was being sold. I thought Jughead said it was being sold, but yeah. okay. Archie's gonna stay at the El Royale. Um, why aren't you staying with Mary? Where is Mary? Maybe Molly Ringwald was like, finally, this is my <laughs> moment to leave. I'm, I'm sure Brooke Rivers does not live in Riverdale. Yeah. So, so later um, Archie says that he just like, it's completely trashed. And he's like, oh, I thought that, like, this gate I put up would be fine. I'm like, you put up a gate and you left for seven years when those kids all needed that center? You didn't hand it off to Keller? No even though Keller was, was being it? the sheriff? Bunch of bull. Um, so Archie is going to call Betty and um, contacts are thus. So his A contacts are AJ, whoever that is. Maybe that's Jackson. Maybe that's Corporal oh! Jackson. The J is for Jackson. Hmm. Andrew's construction. I don't know. Who are you calling? You? Who took over for Andrew's construction? It seems like you're just not handing off your business endeavors at all. So who who are you even calling? Frank Andrews, his uncle. Mm -hmm. Can't wait to see what happened with that guy. And um, I thought, oh, it's weird that Fred isn't here, but Fred is probably not deleted, but under dad. Yeah. Like he wouldn't, he wouldn't, I don't see him deleting it after Fred died. I think it's probably just under dad. Um, Sarah Ayer, A-Y-E-R, don't know who that is, going into B's, Bagoli's Pizzeria, respect, Betty, just Betty, Cheryl Blossom, and then Brooke Rivers. So Betty just doesn't have a last name and is under B. Cheryl Blossom, so he put first name Cheryl, last name Blossom. And then for Brooke Rivers, he put Brooke Rivers as her first name. They're just in here so chaotically. I'm just like, oh, what is here? Oh, God. It makes sense for him, but it kills me inside. Um, I also really love that he has Brooke's number. Nice. That means that she and Mary are still together, and I'm so thrilled. Yes. Yeah. Like, I think that's what it means. Unless he just hasn't deleted it, but I hope that that's true as well. Yeah. Um, so he goes to the center and it's just totally trashed and he goes, oh my God, this place is like a war zone. And I'm like, dude, it's a really interesting choice of simile for someone who was just in a war zone. Exactly. A little weird. Tony is riding a motorcycle, which is very cool, but while super pregnant, not very safe, ma'am. I, yeah, I just like, the minute you were, when we were watching it, you were like, she's not going to be, she's not, she's not riding an actual motorcycle. I'm like, but she is. Yeah. Because... This is, it's Riverdale, you know, (laughs) but you have a point. So they go to the fire station and it like was on fire. What, like it was already messed up when she got back. And I'm like, what a fun, ironic time that was. Um, Hiram took all the town's funding and um, really feels like the person who was supposed to be like watching out for Hiram was Hermosa. And it feels like Hermosa lets him do whatever he wants. Um, How was your vacation in the Caymans? Because you certainly didn't retire like you said you were going to. where's Hermosa? Where is Hermosa? You're not doing your job. Nope. She says that the police department is literally just Keller now and everyone's basically just just fending for themselves. Pickens Park is also messed up. Uh, Archie finds a doll and this moment kind of reminded me of Mulan at the time. It had big Mulan energy. Like when she walks up and she picks up the doll and like sees all of the like carnage in front of her. Mm -hmm. And Tony says that if you could afford to leave, you left. So like Mary. Did Alice leave? Alice? Question mark. And maybe she's coming back now in the promos and stuff because she sees Betty. Because Betty's Betty's here or something. Um, Like Betty calls her to come back too. Right. The people who are still there are either too poor or too proud to leave. I'd be happy if Alice has been in Toledo for the last seven years with, uh... I would be absolutely thrilled if they said that. (laughs) Yeah, she actually lives there. And now it's her turn to, like, go back and help somebody. And help her and be with her daughter. Yeah. So, like, they spent, like, a year apart when he was helping Jellybean. Mm -hmm. And then Alice moved to Toledo. 
And now Alice is back helping Betty. And it's just a, <laughs> She, like, moves time. in and Gladys is like, hello? <laughs> and Alice is like, yeah, I'm here too. And and Gladys is like, me? Well, how do you feel about me? And <laughs> Skeet's like, or FB's like, it genuinely does not matter now. He's like, it's not about you. <laughs> she shows him Sketch Alley, which is now basically just Skid Row. She talks about the packs of dogs and some that are rabid. So I'm wondering if that's going to come back. Archie is on the back of Tony's motorcycle and is just holding on to her little belly, which is it's really so wholesome. All of these bus stops are all like melted and gross. And they talk about how buses don't really come through. So I guess it doesn't matter. Some of the trucks will come by, but only if necessary and never at night. And that kind of reminds me of that ep when um, I think it was, I want to say three, no, 207 when Archie and Jughead went to Greendale to deliver drugs for Penny. Oh, yeah. Um, and they were like, don't be in Greendale past midnight or whatever. <laughs> it's called The Lonely Highway. And I think this whole storyline is supposed to be a reference to The Highway of Tears, which is a highway in British Columbia, I believe. Yeah. Oh. Where like uh, a lot of like indigenous, indigenous women, women go, missing. go missing. Oh. Because um, they're kidnapped. Yeah, Yikes. and they're just never found. Hiram is still making Sodale, um, but it'll be farther away. Just like at this point, it's so is it called Sodale or is it called South Riverdale, which is why it's called Sodale? Because I it feels think, like I think Sodale. I think they've forgotten that it was initially South yeah. Riverdale, so it, now it is just Sodale. She says that it's for the people who want to commute to the city. Which city? New York. Are we talking about New York? Because if so, everyone is very close. I think it is New York because there is a Riverdale, New York. Which okay. Which is just south of Yonkers. Yonk. Yonk. Archie just takes the bus. <laughs> the kids won't go to Riverdale High or Sodale High. They'll be going to Stonewall Prep because um, Hiram is now on the board. So he also um, controls that. She takes him to Archie's house and the ghoulies now live there. And if Mary is renting out the house, Mary, what happened, bro? Aren't you, like, the landlord here? I think she doesn't know. Yeah, I don't think she, like, realizes exactly, like, what's going on. I'm like, like, if she doesn't come and visit. that This is another reason why I think Alice left. Because Alice would would definitely be complaining or doing something about this if she was next door. Exactly. She's not going to live next door to ghoulies. So Archie's like, I'm going to go back to Pops and see if anyone showed up. And I'm like... Bro, it's been like a day since you asked them to come back. What if they were like, yeah, I'm busy this week, but how about next week? You know what I want? What? I want Alice helping Tony run the serpents. That would be great. Um, So Archie goes into Pops and Pop is right here. He's not missing. He's not dead. He's fine. He's just here. <laughs> and um, They had us in the first half, not gonna lie. And he's like, oh my God, Pop, I missed you. And Pop's like, I missed you too. I missed all of you. And they're like, la, 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 they're all here. Um, and they're like, Tony, you're a part of this now too, which is, which is nice. And it's so good. I'm like glad that they are actually following up on like including Vanessa more. Well, they should have been when she was promoted the first time. Yeah. When they were like, she's promoted to like full main cast or whatever. And then nothing different happened. So that was just lip service. Yeah. I was like, okay, what's up with that? Um, you know, and like I said, uh, in the past few episodes, like for some reason they kept giving her this like first nations storyline um, when Vanessa isn't First Nations, you know, I did the research. I went on her Wikipedia page and looked up <laughs> her parents and she's straight up just not First Nations. So it was just a weird story for them to give to her. So they now that they're giving her these braids and I think that they're they're trying to make it more clear exactly who they're representing. Like, hey, with this Tony is a here. black woman. She represents black women. Yeah. Yeah. Which is awesome. They talk about how it was Pop's retirement party and that's the only reason why they came back. And so they're like, hey, let's save Riverdale. 
And I gotta say, if I was anybody but, like, Archie, I'd be like, I don't really care that much about Riverdale. Straight like, up, if I was Betty, I'd be like, I'm not giving up on being an FBI agent to teach a bunch of teenagers journalism. Yeah. No. Literally. Well, I mean, you know, if I'm if I'm in Betty's perspective, I might be like, I am so stagnant at the FBI because they won't let me prove myself. And I know that you're, and you're totally right when we were talking about Betty that, like, you have to do the work to prove yourself to do that. But I understand why Betty might be like, they're not doing it for me, so I guess I'll just leave. But, like, you're going to lose all your progress. Yeah. Life is not a, a game. You don't get to save at different points and then come back. Like, literally everyone else other than Archie, I'd be like, I have bad memories here and, like, I feel bad for for the people of Riverdale, but like other than like Sweet Pea, Tony, Fangs, and Kevin, I don't really care and I don't want to. <laughs> so lastly, Tabitha, I guess, is the manager slash owner now because she says that like she can give out hours and stuff. So mm-hmm. I guess like Pop is kind of just like resigned that over to her and she's going to give Squeaky some more shifts, but she says no and she wants to leave. Um, This girl was actually on the 100 in season six as well as another like body snatched victim. Yep. Um, Just for like one episode, but uh, I thought she did a pretty good job she here and there. She's also on TikTok. Yes, I found her TikTok and she said, I'm going to be on Riverdale. And I was like, I saw you. Uh, so Squeaky, her name is actually Lynette Fields, but she goes by Squeaky. I love, I love silly nickname like that. Mm -hmm. Um, it's nice that you give her actual name. Wish I knew Sweet Pea's real name. (laughs) never will. She came to to Riverdale two years ago for a fresh start, and she's hitchhiking on the lonely highway. She was gonna go to San Francisco. Girl, that's a lot of hitchhiking. That's far away. And, um, girl, we don't do that in 2021. We don't be hitchhiking. We do not be hitchhiking (laughs) with, with truckers. No. Yeah, like... Please watch any true crime and know that you should not do that. So she gets picked up by the murder truck. And I have to say that, like, Sweet Pea, Fangs, and, like, all the serpents are immediately suspects of this. Yeah. And I hate that. Why would you do that? Because they said that they're truckers and they drive trucks. Well, but they never drive through at night. Right. Okay. Tony's boys don't drive through at night. Well, they're not supposed to, but, like, if you're doing creepy bad things then it's not it's not our boys okay great um but i but they're trying to make them suspects they're trying to and i can tell i don't believe it get out of here with that agreed that's the episode so now we're gonna go into segments um i have uh like i said retired asexual jughead question mark question mark question mark and my new segment is uh which character needs the needs a hug the most Mm -hmm. okay which is a, a segment that I have on our Picard podcast. And this episode, I would hug Cheryl. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thousand percent yeah. agree. Yeah. She needs it the most. Mm-hmm. And my segment is which milk was the most badass? Tony! 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 Yay! It's totally Tony! And um, I also have to retire my segment um, as FP is not here. So I have a new segment, which is also my segment on the Picard podcast and somewhere else, isn't it? Yes, I think you added it to the 100 podcast. Yes, it's my new segment on the 100 podcast as well. And I'm, I'm taking both of my segments from the 100 podcast, which are, what is Sam shipping the most? This episode, I think I'm gonna go with... I'm excited to find out what it's gonna be. Like, I think I'm gonna go with Shoney still. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because okay, sure, of the sure, angst. Sure. But shout out honorable mention to um, Kevin and Fangs, because they're yeah. adorable. Mm-hmm. And um, Fangs is... <laughs> <laughs> He looks very good, Yeah, is all I'm saying. He's looking particularly dilfy. His new look is very attractive. Good for you, sir. And um, my second segment is, did anyone mention FP now that he is gone? No, I don't, they didn't, they didn't in this episode, which is fine because Alice wasn't here. (laughs) 
And now it's time for a best line award. My best line award goes to Archie and Jackson, gay lovers. Uh, <laughs> for I really wish it was me in that bed instead of I did too. <laughs> Sir, I like you. Come back. I also wish you lost your leg. <laughs> oh my god. And mine goes to Hermione Lodge for From small town to big city, my killer instinct always gets me what I want. I, I really love the I love the fact that you're like, hey, I'm upset. Three episodes in a row, this is about Hermione being in the It's stupid. She, she truly has the most chaotic line yeah. of every episode the last three weeks. Yeah. So respect to her. And mine goes to Betty for I caught serial killers in high school, Dr. Sterling. Cool flex, buddy. They were in your family. It's not like they were hard to catch. <laughs> <laughs> they lived in your house. That kills me. <laughs> And now it's time for our trailer reaction. Three, two, one, play. There's a war going on. Somebody's running. I'm not interested in Monica. Gosh. I think that's... What is Jughead hiding from? I don't know, but I love that shot. Barchi shower scene. Okay. Oh my gosh. It's very exciting. Okay. Yeah, so um, I guess Squeaky or whoever. I think... I think at some point this season, Polly is supposed to be the one who's, like, getting oh, right. in trouble or something. I think, yeah, I think that's actually pretty soon. Yeah. I think that that's, like, not this soon, though, so I think this is probably squeaky. And I guess she, like, got out of the truck somehow, because mm -hmm. we saw her getting into the truck. Someone is giving, I think, I thought that she sold her Glamour Jay egg, but, okay, so we've got pearls, the Glamour Jay egg, and a bunch of cash, and she's dressed as Monica Posh. So that makes me feel like maybe they bought it and she's going to like buy more Glamour Jay eggs to like then sell them or she's going to Josh and Yvonne and like buying that one for more so that she can sell it for more or something like that. I don't know. Either way, I'm like deeply uninterested in Monica Posh. In fact, in seven years, she hasn't gotten a better wig. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Brush it out, girl. There's Tony in Pops and Betty's having more nightmares about the trash bag killer in her in her tangerine bed. So either Alice still lives there or she's having a nightmare of being in that, that mm -hmm. room. Um, Jughead is hiding behind like the bar somewhere. I don't know where, I don't recognize that. Like Linoleum. it could be at Pop. Yeah, but like then, but these shelves are like wooden and like, I don't, I'm not sure where that is, but I love this shot. I think it's very, very cool. Um, Hiram is saying, it's time for me to teach you a lesson. No kidding, Hiram. Get a new bit, What sir? else? Somebody is breaking, I think it's, I think it's Archie and Betty and the the squad breaking into Archie's old house. house. Yeah, where the ghoulies are now living. Um, Archie says he's taking the town back. This guy is not Malachi. I don't think Malachi ever died, but he's, I guess, not the leader of the of the ghoulies anymore. Um, because this guy's some other guy. Um, and then we can't tell that it's okay. So Archie's talking to Betty, and then we get the shot of the Barchi shower sex, but we don't get the 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 pictures that made us think that it was well, that was a, from the other trailer right yeah there's from a, there's another trailer yeah. that confirms it's betty and yeah. archie betty says my question is when do we kick their asses so she's got um a gun i can't tell if this is just another nightmare because it seems like she's in her like house again um this is archie going into like breaking down the door of his own house hitting the bat in his own house and of course like i said before that bat reminds me of fred because he like was always like protecting fred with that bat and betty who has her like fbi jacket who's also like punching a looks like a female ghoulie mm -hmm. 
Oh, and somebody coming in at the end there. Could be another ghoulie, I think. Okay. Yep. Where's Alice? <laughs> Show me her. Show me her. She's in it. We know, so. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Thank you to our lovely roommate, Emily, for her cooperation and respect. While we recorded this podcast, we appreciate her always. She's an icon. She's an angel. If you are so inclined, please write us a review on Apple Podcasts. We would really appreciate it. Um, even just those stars would be great, or wherever you listen to the podcast. If you're a fan of The 100, we'd like to talk about that show, too. Uh, we are currently covering seasons three through one. Yes, in that order. Don't question it. Um, <laughs> we finished the bad seasons, uh, so we're going yeah. back to the seasons that we liked. Um, and it's pretty fun so far. Yeah, like I said, uh, I recommend the first five seasons of The 100. And then after that, I do not recommend them. However, I do recommend our podcasts about them. Yeah. So if you just want to listen to the podcast, that's also okay. Mm-hmm. Because I think that we talk about some really, like, important stuff. We do. Especially on those, like, back half of season six podcasts. I was really proud of those. Mm-hmm. If you want to hear me cry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I will never be able to listen to it. Right. But you should. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a fan of Lost, we like to talk about that show, too. Um, We did all of season one and all of season two. We are in the midst of season three, which I, I absolutely love that season. So I'm having a great <laughs> time. And we do guests over there. It's also spoiler free. So if you want to watch with us for the first time, you can. And I wholeheartedly recommend it. It is truly like the blueprint of like modern television I think and uh one of the best television shows ever made if you're a fan of Stranger Things we like to talk about that show too uh we're currently covering season three which is my favorite season I think and it's a delight uh it's one of my favorite pods to talk on you should go check it out. I love it. If you're a fan of Star Trek, we like to talk about that entire franchise. Um, we covered season one of Star Trek Picard, and in the future we'll make more Star Trek content. It's coming. You can follow the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, and YouTube. Mostly on Twitter, but Robin does make gifts for our favorite line awards, so if we ever pick a favorite line award that you think would be, like, a really funny reaction gift, uh, go check it out. She's got it on our Tumblr. Uh, like I said before, our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. So if you like what we do here, please consider donating because yikes, it's expensive. Um, $1 and up gets you early access to all of the podcasts. $5 and up gets you, um... 10% off at shopylux.com, which is another really great way to support us and get something cool. And um, uh, we're also thinking of some more like perks potentially. So um, become a patron so that you can uh, vote on those. I have like several ideas of more tiers to offer on Patreon. Um, you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at Abritania, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. You can follow me on Twitter at Sam Casey's, which is S-A-M-C-A-S-U-S. Our next episode is episode 505. It's called The Homecoming. Um, And actually, Sam and Brittany are doing their own homecoming that week. Um, They (laughs) are traveling back to Alberta um, because Brittany's sister is having a baby. It's true. Um, she and Vanessa got pregnant at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> basically. <laughs> However, that means that I'm going to try my best, but that episode of the podcast, we have to record it a whole day late, um, which only gives me one day to edit it and get it up. So if it ends up coming out one day late, uh, please do not smite me. I'm going to try my best, but uh, do not be alarmed if it ends up coming out on Tuesday instead of Monday, because I still want to offer early access to our Patreon sponsors. Um, So it's called The Homecoming. Um, It's a two-act play written in 1964 by Harold Pinter. There's a 1973 film based on it, so like that's what's going on, but this is what happens in the play. Uh, It's set in North London. The play has six characters. Five of these are men, of course, who are related to each other. Max, a retired butcher, his brother Sam, a chauffeur, and Max's three 
sons, Teddy, a philosophy professor in the United States, Lenny, a pimp who only makes discreet references to his occupation and his clientele and flats in the city, and Joey, a brute training to become a professional boxer who works in demolition. There is one woman, Ruth, who is Teddy's wife, and the play concerns Teddy and Ruth's homecoming, which has distinctly different symbolic and thematic implications. Mm. Sounds mm. like a pinter. Sounds like a pinter. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, hope you'll join us over there. Um, sorry if it's a little late. Hopefully it won't be. But if it is... <laughs> be nice to Robin. <laughs> she, she works very hard. Yeah. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Bye.